Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 54 of History on the Table. Happy belated Thanksgiving, Rich, and listeners out there, listeners who celebrate. Yeah, happy Turkey Day. Hopefully everyone is recovering and, you know, walk an extra lap at the gym or something. The, the real punishment is we're recording this on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, which is giving me like false hope. Like yesterday I thought it was Sunday night and then now I'm doing the podcast and it doesn't feel like Sunday night, but it is very real back to work tomorrow. Yeah, it is back to work tomorrow, but I've got, so next, this week is going to be my only like five day week left until January. Sure. Yeah. So I've got that going for me. <laughs> very, very good. We have a lot of business. It's a big episode. So if you're unfamiliar, November, that's only the second year in a row. It's not a tradition, but it's about to be a Thanksgiving tradition. We're thankful for the 20 best games of all time. According to our listeners, we have the results for that. Rich and I will share our top 20 games of all time. And we have uh, we have a great a great game to review, plus all the other stuff we've been playing. We have more than one great game to review. We've got... Three or maybe even four, depending yeah. on how you look at it. <laughs> it's exactly. It's a tri-pack that's really a quad-pack. Yeah. But before we do that, last time I think I failed to mention that we have a new t-shirt storefront. It runs through Etsy now, but I think the print quality is better. So Teespring is really great for, for podcasters, YouTubes, or whatever, but their quality is shit. And like the shirts rub off after one wash, and that's just the way it is. And so we're trying a new... A new printing deal. There'll be a link down in the show notes. So we have a new t-shirt design for that. And I'm very slowly importing all the other old t-shirt designs. So look out for that. The other thing to be on the lookout for, Historic Fest 2024, August 15th through the 18th, 2024. We got a whole theme going Oh, this I didn't hear year. about the theme. You didn't see the promo flyer? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, Rich. Oh, man, <laughs> it's so sweet. I love it. So I wanted to do uh, multiplayer madness, but then I was like, well, Midness, Midwest Madness makes more sense. And so I wanted to lean into the madness thing. So it's like an old boxing poster, but okay. it's General it's General George the Rock Thomas versus Hastur the King in Yellow. You'll have to – it's it's pretty sweet. A, okay. a, friend of, a friend of ours drew it, and she just – she nailed it. So it's, nice. it's a picture of uh, General Thomas and then a picture of uh, very tintily the King in Hastur. Nice. Uh, the King in Yellow has store. So that is, I bring that up because we'll be updating, finally updating the webpage and getting registration out definitely before the end of the year. So if you need a, if you need a present from Santa, how about registration for Historic Fest? That sounds like a good deal. I'll be there. I guess we're, we're actually still in negotiations with the uh, Trapier family over how many people are going this year. So let me tell you something. And this, this is for all the listeners out there because I, th- I think you're not, the world's biggest Disney fan, but I've gotten the impression like your family enjoys Disney. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Disney started in Kansas City. Walt Disney did. I did not know that. He did. And they are doing a Disney's 100 year anniversary exhibit at Union Station. And they're bringing in all kinds of stuff and they have all these exhibits. So where you did the the World War One virtual uh-huh. reality museum it's right across the street in union station they're having this yeah big giant yeah. ass disney 100 year anniversary so 
I took the train home from KC last year, so I know. Oh, and you took and you yeah uh, yeah, used Union Station. So they're doing it in there. It'll be really. It should be really really sweet. So perfect. Cool. Yeah. So there's a little plug for the family. Like that should be running all summer. Madness and Disney's Centennial. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. August fifteenth to eighteenth, twenty twenty four. I've already got it on my calendar. Hell yeah, love love to hear it. All right, any other business from you, Rich? No, no business from me. I'm looking. So I would just say that it's been a really slow month. We're about to talk about games we've played. Um, I'm really looking forward to next month being better and actually getting some decent time to play games. So one of one of these months will be back where we're both playing a shit ton of games and we <laughs> yeah. spend like, you know, like I timestamps when I get around to do them for episodes, like I always notice when like, Oh, we went long here. Not that I care. Like just secure, like, Oh, we talked about games on the table for 30 minutes. Yeah. And sometimes we talk about games on the table for five minutes. Yeah. We'll get back to those 30 minutes. I'll, I'll tell you what, normally you go first here. Why don't I go first? Since I finally have something sure. rich, I crossed off something that I always talk about needing to play. Yeah. A, a game you're a fan of, a game a lot of our listeners are a fan of, and probably did pretty well in the top 20 countdown. Empire of the Sun. Yeah. What'd you think? So, <laughs> I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I I played a little solo. Uh-huh. And did I kind of like... against the bot? No, I was just okay. like two-handing the uh, South Pacific okay. scenario. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. And, like, I, I invaded Guadalcanal and did all this stuff. And then I, I reached out to gamer Keith. Uh, spoiler alert, he had Empire of the Sun ranked as his number one game all time <laughs> on the top 20 list. So I said, hey, gamer Keith, why don't – I have some other Vassal games going right now. Let's take advantage of that. Let's fire something up. And so he sent me this strategy article. And he followed that strategy with this opener that basically attacks almost every single Japanese position on the map as the South Pacific opener. Yeah. And that just opened my eyes to the potential of just pinning a unit down, knowing that it's it might even be it's probably impossible for there to be a combat result. Like you can't do enough damage because their defense is so high. But even they also if you double can't your respond. Damage. Yeah. Yeah, just it prevents them from going into somewhere where they might matter. And that that's just like mind opening. But then you still, as the defender, you know, I'm like, um, well, I'll play my card so I can, like, get the last play of the turn, yada, yada, yada. And just the ability of, even if there's nothing for you to do as the defender in Empire of the Sun, you still might want to activate units just to be able to move them after the battle is resolved and to be able to reposition yourself. And so there's layers in Empire of the Sun that are kind of there when you read the rules, but now that I'm playing, it's like, oh, shit, there's there's a lot going on here. Yeah, it's an amazing game, and yeah. I, I have nothing bad to say about Empire of the Sun except that I don't have time to play it. Uh, Patrick and yeah. I started playing like two months ago, and yeah, it's it's my turn, and I apologize, but yeah, it's a great game. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. You and can I've... even read. Sorry, um, I think Mark Herman. So anybody that plays Empire of the Sun will always tell you always start in forty two. Don't don't bother doing forty one. Just start in forty two. But I think I read an article online from Mark Herman where he kind of showed how 41 works if you really want to do it. And it's like you said, where you're just, you're attacking everything. And it's almost like, like a chess puzzle at that point to see how many things you can hit and how many, you know, it's, it's, it's a cool exercise in doing it. It's not what makes the game fun, but um, I think the fact that you can do that is, is what makes the game fun. 
So two two things, just real quick. One to piece it all together. If if you haven't pieced it together yet, we're talking about Mark Herman's Empire of the Sun, which is a strategic scale game covering the Pacific War. And we've talked Pacific War and how big a fan we are, and even at the strategic game, that's a very operational game, and this is very strategic. What I have learned, the more I play these strategic games, the real the more I learn it's harder to get strategic combat done well. I really enjoy the U.S. Civil War. I was kind of surprised by Empire of the Sun, where it's just kind of you go in and you multiply your attack power, and then that gets soaked up by the defender's value. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or anything. It's just not what I expected at all. I didn't know. Our buddy Bill said it best, yeah. where it's it's more about the presentation of force in some areas than than anything else. And so I'm 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 kind of like learning to reevaluate how I process strategic scale combat resolution because they all can't be U.S. Civil War and it doesn't make sense for uh, Empire of the Sun to have U.S. Civil War combat resolution. Yeah, I think it's more than that too. I think it's, we talked about this back when we were talking about um, uh, Axis Empires and Tetala Creek. Yep. How yep. you can't really have the same system for ground combat that you can for, for sea combat. I mean, there's there's a difference between, you know, two or three battleships and some carriers. You know, those are discrete units, whereas men, you can have five or 10 or 20,000 or a million men or whatever. You can lose a percentage and it just, it's different than losing a ship out of a fleet. And right. Empire of the Sun is obviously it's fleet combat. There is ground combat in it as well, um, but the ground combats are all just they have different strengths, but they're all just one or two step guys. And the ships you can you can damage and then destroy the ships, but you're always going to be attacking really sp- specific ships or not attacking specific ships, but that's how that you're going to do the damage when it comes to it. So I I think that's really well said. What really? Because it didn't feel well said. No, it did. It makes <laughs> sense to me. Um, and it does. You know, it kind of has two different combat. Well, it has two different combat steps. Although combat resolution is still the same for for ground combat versus sea combat. Yeah. What my takeaway so far is, and it I've played solo and I'm playing South Pacific with gamer Keith, and we're on the opening move. So again, take this for a grain of salt. There's nothing in this game that I'm like, whoa, our positioning at 12 is, this game is way too high. I'm not saying it can't go higher than 12, but I'm not like offended by the fact that we have Empire of the Sun in our top 20 games of all time. Like, it's it's really good. And I mm-hmm. like the cards. I like the cards a lot. I like the, the potential you have in the cards and reading the stri- um, strategy article that's on GMT's website about just even the timing of cards making sure you get the last play of the turn to set something up especially if the scenario or the time frame is going to dictate where you get like a double turn like if you go last in the turn and you know you're going to be going first mm-hmm. you know that's just that's just good card play i think so and by the sun um rich was right so far i'm, I'm enjoying it it's it's fantastic cool i'm glad you like it i'll just before Patrick, we... one of these days i'll play my turn <laughs> hopefully it'll be this month well, I think you guys mentioned was like, oh, I should really pull that out. And like I was on like a kick of of uh, World War II naval stuff, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But before I do that, before you talk about your game, I just want to mention one really new, really quickly, a new addition to Rally the Troops, which is Algeria. 
Oh, really? I hadn't even seen that. That's how disconnected I am right now. Have you? Are you familiar with this game at all? I've I've heard of it. I've never played okay. it. So this is a Brian Train design, mm-hmm. and this game was Volko has said, and I have the quote here: Algeria, the War of Independence, more than any other game, provided a conceptual basis for Andy and Abyss. Andy and Abyss's mechanics, rendering asymmetric operations, troops and police, underground guerrillas, government redeploying guerrilla march, civic action, territory, yada yada yada. All of the actions you take in Andy and Abyss have starting points in Algeria. And I'm I'm paraphrasing there at the end, but just so I don't have to list all the actions. What's interesting to me is playing a couple games of Algeria very slowly right now. The rules are a hot mess and harder to process than the Indian Abyss rules. Okay. As a whole, I like the concept of Algeria significantly more than Andean Abyss. So it's interesting that you have this game that influenced Andy and Abyss because three of the four factions for me in Andy and Abyss are complete snooze fest. I just don't enjoy that type of gameplay. I don't enjoy the, yeah. and this is true coin, I, I just don't like, okay, I'm just going to play some more counters, um, discs. They're not discs, they're, they're not even cubes. Cylinders. I'm going to place more cylinders on the map. Mm-hmm. Why can't I think of cells? And then I might try to influence here there's so many actions in coin games feel dead to me and some games do a better job of having more exciting turns than others and abyss is older in the design process and so a lot of it just comes down to all right i'm going to place more cells over here i'm going to place more cells over here mm-hmm. i might take this event anyways all that being said algeria despite the rules being a complete mess is an extremely interesting game that has that feels a lot like andy and abyss it's only 1v1, but the gameplay so, for me is a more enjoyable experience. Have you played Colonial Twilight? I have not. Okay. I mean, I think, because obviously that's the one that's just begging to be compared with Algeria rather than... Sure. I mean, because Colonial Twilight is coin in the Algerian War. So it's the exact same setting, but it is actually a coin game. And it's a two-player coin game, which is why it the main reason it made my cut when I cut a bunch of my coin games and just saved my favorites. It's the only two player. Well, now the, the British way is out. It's not the only one, but right. yeah, I would, I'd be interested in, cause I've played that quite a bit and I enjoy it. Um, it, it feels very different because it's a two player game. It is also a Brian train game. Um, I would right. like to play Algeria just to compare the two if for nothing else. Here you go, folks. 2024 is the year of <laughs> the Algerian, year of Algerian war. <laughs> war of Independence Wargaming. Yeah, there you go. I'm also going to apologize right now, uh, courtesy of our, our good buddy Andrew, who uh, on Saturday saw me and provided me with a uh, triple-double coconut stout with a 15%, nearly 15% alcohol rating. <laughs> and that is my lubrication for tonight. I don't think that can be called there. beer at that point. I I don't I don't think so either. So, I uh, I already uh, am apologizing for the long windedness. My point is, Algeria is a bit of a mess in terms of grokking everything that's going on. But in in the short of it, just if you're curious, you can go to rally the troops. But you're taking all these like basic actions: moving guys here, raising foreign support in in France, influencing particular regions. Maybe you're doing it and sweeping in out. Um, I don't know, little, like little cells or whatever, but there is a there are points, kind of political willpower points that each side has, 
and every action will probably influence those in some way whether you're gaining them or causing the opponent to spin them and if either the government or the fln run out of what's called psl then they lose and so you, you have this track and you're running all these different you know you're deploying troops and that's gonna that's gonna cost government uh political willpower and then maybe you're going in and you're doing a mission with a like a police sweep and that's gonna eliminate a cadre of the fln and the benefit of that is the government might get some political willpower back or they can cause the fln to lose political willpower so it's a game where you have political willpower as a resource and then the actions you're taking, like your coin actions, are then spending down that resource. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. It's not It's not like... Um, like 300 is a game I really enjoy. It's super light. It's easy. You can pop on to rally the troops and basically just kind of almost start just kind of clicking and going through it, right? Yeah. that's what This I is not that level. <laughs> like, it's not that obvious what you should be doing. So... So more like wilderness war. <laughs> well, no, because when I started, doing no, I didn't say what I war, should I do. I said what I did. <laughs> well, I did that too. When wilderness war was first on there, and I lost like whole stacks of British regulars. It's like, oh yeah, I cannot retreat. Yeah. All right, Rich. So you did play something. And yeah, this, was, this only... was returned to Rich, old old form Rich. A little yeah, bit. this is a game that I've played a bunch of times but it's been a while it's been at least a year maybe two but uh star wars legion which is it's a miniatures game it's a star wars game if you've played you know warhammer or something like that it's probably comparable um i just i, I like playing it i've got enough armies to play uh, a rebel army and an imperial armor so when my daughter was home last or a couple weeks ago we decided to get that out on the table threw some terrain down and you know, pew pewed our guys and it was fun. Um, so much fun that, you know, anytime I play it, I'm like, oh man, we got to play this again. So we were going to try to play it today and didn't have time. That's a, kind of been the story of the month. But um, I think we're definitely going to play it some more. Probably going to play uh, the skirmish mode more just because, okay. you know, full game is going to take three to four hours where skirmish mode is going to take a couple hours. So. I think uh, we'll probably settle in on that and try to get some more games in. Have you? So first off, I a long time ago, my brother brought Star Wars Legion, and he's like, "Hey, why don't you guys come over and we'll play?" And I'm like, "Awesome, mm-hmm. I, I'm into this." And I got there, and like the the figures weren't even glued together yet. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "We're we're playing today," and so like he's like, "Yeah, it'll be done." I was like, "Well, I gotta go home." So like I sat there for an hour and we I played Band of Brothers with another guy and then we finished our Band of Brothers game, the Tactical World War Two game, mm-hmm. and then by the time I left he still wasn't done. I was like I gotta go. So I'm still never I've never played Legion. Well, and then they're like, well it's it's a two player game. So then they were gonna play the first game anyways. It's like all right, I'm really just gonna go. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here. Uh, have you played? Have you looked at Shatterpoint at all? I have looked at it. I haven't okay. played it. Yeah. The cost is, of terrain and stuff is so prohibitive, but basically yeah. Shatterpoint, for those who don't know, is like even as one more zoomed in s- step mm-hmm. uh, from Legion. But what's, what's interesting about Shatterpoint is like some of the actions you can take and just how initiative works. Either way, I won't go down that. Yeah, so Legion term. is designed as a big game and has a right. skirmish mode. Shatterpoint is designed as a skirmish game. So, But I think all the, the minis, I think, are pre-painted on Shatterpoint and... It's got, it comes with some terrain, but you can buy more. It's all really expensive and everything. It but, is very expensive. Yeah. 
It looks really cool, but I haven't played it. Yeah. Uh, what's your like favorite faction in Legion? Um, I like playing the Empire. You know, oh. they've, they've got a little bit better armor. They don't shoot as well, but I like the I like the Death Troopers. They're just really good. Um, so usually I play Empire and my daughter plays Rebels. Very good. Death Troopers are pretty sweet in all yeah. aspects. I have a Death Troopers t-shirt sometimes. Anyways, <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Right, speaking of big games and speaking of World War II naval games, Seas of Thunder. I see this, man. Every, like every time I go to miniature market, I look at it on the shelf. I go, ooh, that's tempting. That that looks, you know, we were talking, I think just last month about how I'd love to have a modern fleet game. So, so well, this not one's modern. not modern. This one's World War II, isn't it? I was but thinking about the fleet one, but... comparison is, is appropriate, Rich. It's like okay. if you made a simpler fleet game, almost, you know how fleet kind of has like these subsystems you run through? Like you do your air, you do your, your subs, you do your... Sure your surface units it's almost like if all of that is combined and resolved simultaneously and resolved at like a much easier lighter scale um you get seas of thunder now if you go over to bgg you pop onto bgg you plug in seas of thunder it's a it's a 2023 release by gmt games you're gonna see a rating of like 6.8 my understanding is most of those ratings are based off the historical inaccuracy of the ratings on on individual ships. Oh, really? Okay. That's what I understand. I could be wrong, but a lot of the complaints are about the ship's values. Now, for me, and I get it, some people may care about that. Some people really are offended by the new Napoleon movie, and I've heard it's got great costumes, but, <laughs> you know, I just don't, like, it won't offend me to see it at some point. Now, I probably won't go see it. Anyways, whether the Bismarck, which is rated as an eight attack power, is that much better than the Blucher, which is rated at a four attack power? Who the fuck are we kidding? Like, I don't know, and I honestly don't care at this scale because it's the whole world. And so to say that one cruiser is it one attack power is. better than another cruiser, like, okay, fine. I'm looking I get at the it. map right now. That is a crazy map. So what's crazy is you're looking at the map, and it's areas, right? And there's 121 areas on the map. <laughs> you do combat in every single area. I don't think it would happen, but potentially you could have 121 combat resolutions in one turn. So here's the crazy part. Rich, there's 10 pages of rules, and these are the wordiest bastards you've ever seen. There's 10 pages of rules, and then every scenario like talks about their design objectives behind the scenarios. Probably super nice, guys. I'm, su- I'm stoked on this game. So far, I'm loving it. I really want to. I'm. I'm going to switch to the Vassal Magical because it is fiddly. But basically, what what happens the the deal with fleet? What I said is, so you have an area, and in that area, maybe you're within range of some like long range bombers from the land, and you threw in some subs and a cruiser and a battleship and a carrier to make it interesting, right? And all those ships get assigned to these different roles, and so you you start with your air and your air superiority. If you win that, then you can attack anti submarine warfare. You can go after their long-range bombers, their their air bombing, whatever. And you kind of do the subsystems and fleet, but all at once. And so you play this little mini-game, is the way our buddy Rex described it, and that's appropriate. And then you do this mini-game for every area you have these fleet engagements. Um, and sometimes it'll go faster because you maybe you just have cruiser on cruiser. But mm-hmm. I started to like set this game up, and I'm like, well, how many how many points do I want on the Horn of Africa down in Cape Town or yada yada? And I was like, well, whatever. I don't even know what to assign. So I'm just like, 
all right, let's just assume in this area I had a cruiser, three cruisers against a battleship. Let's just see how that would shake out. So that's how I've been learning the game and not worrying too much about how I set it up. It's fun, but it, like I said, it's 10 pages of rules. With this really, with all of the meat of the game being in the um, kind of mini game around combat, the rules could probably use some clarity. Like setup in itself is a little bit confusing, but it's cool. It, what's interesting is like the German players will have more interest in areas than the allied players. So like it might be worth five points to the Axis powers, but it's only one point to the allied sure. players. I like that. Yeah, it's it's cool. And so it's this grand strategic map. You're covering the whole world. It's it's light. It's fun. I like it. I haven't played it opposed. And you don't really know what ships are where, so like I'd I'd want to play this opposed just so I have the fog of war element. Yeah. But I think this is kind of a little bit of a hidden gem that that flew under the radar. You know how you know how cool stuff Inc. got out of the board game. Yeah. Business. And they had a big clearance that I think I missed yeah. out on. This was twenty. <laughs> this was twenty bucks in that. It was like twenty four dollars. Oh, wow. And I think that's like the steal of my life for this. Huh. I mean, like, is it the best game of all time? No, but it looks freaking sweet. Mm. maybe i'll pick it up at miniature market tomorrow night we'll see there you go there you go well the joel has finished the vassal module so okay cool. we could also just just spin it up we get richard yeah 2024 the year of algerian naval wargaming <laughs> is a go I like it. sounds like a good plan how many players is uh is seas of thunder so it's technically two okay but you could very easily make this a multiplayer game and so you okay, kind of have these, you have these like, you have these battle mats. So like, if if you're resolving area thirty-two, you move everything out of that area. You go on these battle mats, and you assign this. This unit is doing air superiority. This unit is doing anti-sub. Yada yada. Just make copies of those battle mats, and all of a sudden you get an eight-player game. There's not you could do bat area one at the same time you're resolving area one hundred twenty-one. Yeah. So you can have an eastern player and a western player. Okay. Or like. Britain, Japan, U.S., Germany. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why cool. not? And there's like there's like docking limitations. What units can dock here? Like it's friendly to all the Allied players, but maybe it only houses British troops. I mean, there's there's stuff like that. But overall, it's pretty rules light. It could have probably used some more rules. I mean, it's a thick rule book, but that just is all the extra stuff that you don't really need. It's interesting. It's a very interesting game. I'll play Hungary. I got time for that. <laughs> the mighty hung hungarian navy hungarian navy yeah <laughs> rich i'm I'm about to make a bold claim Uh oh here we go turn the music off plantagenet cousins war to england 1459 to 1485 from gmt games released in 2023 designed by our good friend paco are you gonna say it's good oh i'm gonna say more than that okay good so i got it sitting on my shelf just like saying hey come play me please it's the best in the series. Excellent. I like hearing that. I mean, I haven't heard anything, anyone say a bad thing about it yet, so it doesn't really surprise me. Now, it is the biggest break from the series, too, meaning the changes from Almoravid to Nevsky, mm -hmm. they're there. They're interesting. This is a huge shift in, in many regards. Combat, simultaneous. You don't have defender striking first. Siege is completely out. What Plantagenet does is takes the Levian campaign shell and 
marries it to an area control game. All right. And you have this whole kind of influence, this currency that shifts back and forth as as you're bidding for control of territories and lords and as you as you send your lords in exile, you lose influence. But you know, as you kill someone else, you gain influence, and and all this stuff, and you're going back and forth. And so you kind of have this meta currency that both players are spending, and, and you want to have the most of it. You want to have the most influence at the end. And if you get way up on influence, you just win outright. It is fantastic, and you're you're exhausting areas like when you get them for supply. And it, and if you if you get around to it, and you can't feed, and you can't tax. Oh, you're going to feed and you're going to tax and the people are going to pay for it and the people are going to hate you. It is so good, Rich. Sounds like this needs to be game of the month for January. Uh, I would I would have no complaints for that. Yeah. Actually, this is going to directly impact some of my December list adjustment proposals. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other loving campaign games need to be ticked down just a little bit. This is so good. To make room? (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I, that's that's gonna. Be, uh, I'm serious. It is it is fantastic, Rich. All right. Currently looking over at my empty gaming table. Plantagenet should go Plantagenet should go there next. Look, this is so good that I don't play Vassal play by email. And then Mike Mike Heckman reached out to me and he's like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we should do Vassal PBM over Discord." I'm like, I don't really like. I'm not active on that, but this is good enough. Like, let's do it. And so like right now with Mike, I'm just pulling the levers. Like. I realize, like, I should exile right now to avoid this, but I want to see more combat. Oh, it's so good. And the theming, just, I think it captures the War of the Roses so well with just how you're taxing, how you're depleting, how you're influencing and, like, pissing off locales. Oh, so good. All right. Well, you sold me. Good. Well, you already had it. (laughs) Yeah, but you sold me on, like, getting it out. You know, I got to break the shrink and punch it out and put it on the table, so... Rules are well written. Easily identifies like what's changed between this and like there's yeah. a summary sheet, but then also inside the rules, everything with like brown brown triangle, then you know it's a different rule. And I mean, are out. Reread the Dan Jones book while I'm playing it. You're not. I'm rich. I'm that. I'm about that close to doing that. Yeah. I don't miss sieges at all. Like Nevsky, you know, you move into a locale, you got to go through the whole sure. siege seat. Oh yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Don't miss it. Like cool. Nevsky, brilliant game, love it. Played Hatchet's better so far. Look, Excellent. this is this is a bold. I'm hanging my my. I'm I'm going out on a limb. I've played it solo. I'm playing it PBEM, but I'm telling you, I just love this area majority mini game that's going on here. Yeah, well, I will say, if you're playing it play by email, then that tells me like more than anything else could, because <laughs> you do not play games that way. I am playing All Bridges Burning. <laughs> Uh, play by email as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Coin With lends the... itself well to play by email. It do- it does. You miss some, but that's yeah. also that's high praise for. Uh, I'm playing that with uh, Patrick and Nate, and uh, yeah, it's it's good. Anyways, yeah, my I realize I realize what's happening. I realize what's happening with this this beer and what it's what it's doing to me. But uh, <laughs> so why don't why don't you talk for a little bit? All right, uh, books on the shelf. 
So, yeah, I haven't had time to play anything, but I did have time to read something. So, um, you know who James Holland is? I know I've talked about him a little bit before. Um, So uh, he wrote a book called Brothers in Arms. Now, he also has a podcast called We Have Ways of Making You Talk. And his co-host, Al, I can't think of his last name, but um, so Al read this book in the audio book, Brothers in Arms. Now, I'm a big fan of James Holland. I've read books by him that I absolutely loved. This one was okay. I mean, it it wasn't terrible. First of all, I should say what it's about. So it's about the uh, Sherwood Rangers, who were a British armor, not a company, battalion, I can't remember. They were a British armored group uh, that fought in World War II. So they fought in Africa, um, but this book just sort of mentioned that. And really, this book sort of started at D-Day and and took them through the end of World War II. Um, and there was some really cool stuff in there. There were some interesting stories. Um, it was sort of billed as the next kind of Band of Brothers book. Um, it just didn't have all the charm that Band of Brothers has. Um, maybe because he only told true stories. I don't know. (laughs) But for whatever reason, it just wasn't as good. It was good, but it wasn't as good. So, um, yeah, Brothers in Arms by James Holland. It was, you know, it was okay. You know what's funny, Rich? Did yeah. you? I can't remember. Did you read Mary Beard's uh, SPQR? Like the, I started or, it. I okay. read about I don't know, a third or maybe half of it. So I really enjoyed that book. I thought it was a really interesting period of history I knew nothing uh-huh. about because it's the early founding of Rome. So she has a new book, okay. Emperor of Rome, ruling the ancient Roman world. So I really liked Mary Beard's first book. This book. Again, it's good. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a solid three out of five because what's interesting, what she does this time is it's not chronological history. It's more of a day in the life of the Roman emperor almost. And here's how we can take these stories of this emperor and how they did this atrocious thing and made you know, this person do that or another and, and realize how it's, it's probably far-fetched and how this emperor was so glorious. And, and that was just the, the following emperor, like, sucking up to, like, have all their followers, you know, continue to be loyal, whatever. And then mm-hmm. also it, it, it examines, like, how important dinner parties were to Roman emperors and what that can teach us about it. So it's not, it's not bio- biographical. It's not chronological. It's interesting. Yeah. But it's it's basically covering the emperors from post Caesar for like the next two hundred years, and okay. it more is just kind of like what how we can look at these stories and and what we know to just understand how emperors of Rome acted, uh, which is fine. But like solid three out of five. So again, an author I like, like you like James Holland, and it's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Well, there you go. They can't all knock them out of the park every time. That's right. That's right. I am almost so. To the point those where, both have us kind of tepid, I would say. What has right. you hot blooded, Rich? We're in sync this month, and I think we we're are. in sync with we're, most of our listeners. We are both hot blooded about the exact same thing right now. So, so I'm I'm so horned up for Downfall, <laughs> Conquest of the Third Reich, 1942 to 19. We are going to double team this game. Uh, well, no, well, uh, you know, and I'm not going to go where that <laughs> where that lends itself to. I'll just say there's a lot of. This game was was hot <laughs> during the uh, the GMT scale, and that's H O T T. Um, because a lot of our listeners were acquiring and, and picking this one up, so this is downfall. 
downfall. Conquest of the Third Reich. It's a Chet Jansen game. Chet and mm. someone else. Like, do who was the second one? Do you remember? Well, wasn't it Kai? Didn't Kai finish the design? Is that who it was? Okay. Oh, John Butterfield. Okay, I didn't realize John that. Butterfield. John Butterfield's right, got credits right. here. I don't. Okay. I don't know what that involvement is. But this yeah. this was Chad's last game in development, right? I think so. I think so too. Yeah, I know. I think it, didn't his wife work on something that had his name on it, or is she a designer of her own? Right. I, I don't. Well, know. I think I think both of those statements are true. I think okay. she is, and I think she she finalized this. But again. okay. But anyway, this is a game. Um, it's a GMT game. I guess it just came. I don't. I mean, I kind of remember when it was P five hundred, but for whatever reason, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, but I missed it completely. Yeah, it's just gotten so much hype since then that, you know, I guess it's good because honestly, usually when the last few years when the GMT sales comes up, I'm like, eh, I've already got everything I want. But this one is was really a great, you know, it was like the glaring thing out there that I that I missed that I could still get. So um, it's I don't have it in my possession yet. It's on its way, but it's a it's a World War II European game, and it starts in '42, sort of like at the height of the German expansion. And um, it, you know, you're playing Germany's obviously got to manage a sort of a two front war. They don't have to. They're not haven't been. France hasn't been invaded, but the Soviets are starting to turn, and the Allies are building up strength and. Um, it's got some card-based stuff to it, but I don't think it's a fully card-driven game. Oh, Rich. Rich, 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 okay. Rich. Correct Hold me. on. I need to correct you. Okay. There is no true Germany in this game. Did you not know this? Well, what no, Well, what do you mean by that? So here's the selling point of this. So there's a couple of really big selling points for this movie. So you have a Western player. Okay. They're the Western allies. They also control the OKH and fight the Soviet player who controls the OKW who fights the Western player. So you're a you're a two headed okay. you're a two headed monster here. Gotcha. So you're right. You're exactly right. It starts at the height of the German expanse. You're starting in 1942, but it's a race between who's more successful: this the Soviets or the West. And you not only do you do you attack as a Soviet player, but then you have to hold back the Western player. And what you're doing. It's got the almost the initiative system from fighting formations, right? But you're taking actions that spend initiative, and then whoever is either highest or lowest I think it's lowest is on the initiative track, gets to go immediately. So you might have double turns, you might be able to, you know. And there are cards, you're right. So as you as you spend initiative, that will trigger card play. Uh, it's super innovative interesting design i really like the initiative cost system from fighting formations you know that's a system we talked about that doesn't get enough mm-hmm. love uh so that's kind of here but now you're at a strategic scale and then you're playing two fronts it, it's like a maria-esque right sure that's exactly what i was about to compare it to yep. yeah but yeah the, the initiative system is is one of the big things that i thought was interesting about it that i'm looking forward to playing yeah, oh man, it looks it looks so good. So like you you spend initiative and that that like triggers the event that's like in the queue to to come up next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like you're you're taking actions and then uh, I don't know, it looks good. It looks Do you real have good. your copy yet? Yeah, yeah. Have you played it at all? No, no. I've been I've been playing so many other things that I just haven't. Okay. Haven't gotten the. But everyone who everyone who has played it, Casey Nate. He's a huge fan of it. I think Bruce uh, from up in St. Louis, I think he's a huge fan. Well, I know he is. It made his top 20 list. So, <laughs> Wow. That's, yeah, that's already. Good. Yeah. Yeah. 
super good. Yeah, I, I'm glad we're both excited for this. I I will play this before the end of the year because I think it just with everything I'm hearing, it uh, probably d- deserves some end of the year discussion. All right, Rich, we yeah. have no war game game tonight because we have so much to talk about. So no, we got a huge extra list that we need to talk about. We have a big old big old list coming. So why don't you go ahead and tell everyone what we're going to be talking about tonight? All right. So I said earlier, I teased it. We we're going to be talking about three, maybe four games. So the game tonight, uh, our featured game of the month is the, the tri-pack. It's the Battles of the American Revolution tri-pack, Guilford, Saratoga, and Brandywine. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, by GMT Games. Um, Mark Miklos, who I actually heard an interview with him on another podcast a few years ago, and that was the first time that... Um, these games ever got on my table and I ended up, um, playing not Sarah to, uh, Savannah, oh, uh, nice. just because he had talked about that one. So yeah. Um, he's the designer of the game, the artists, of course, Roger McGowan, <laughs> Mark Simonich and Joe Yostel, who I don't recognize his no, name. That's as just much, Joe Yost. That's an extra. Joe Yost. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. So you know how I am about artists. <laughs> um, I'll just have to k- keep Say his classy mind San Diego in, in case a, in case a future uh, <laughs> future war game 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 comes up. Um, and this one was released in 2017. Although that that's the tri pack. The yeah. original games were released between like 1998 and 2002. Yeah. So it's really it's a tri pack, but there's really four battles here. Saratoga and Brandywine are their own standalone games. And then Guilford, Guilford Courthouse and Utah Springs are kind of combined into their own games, although they're they're separate battles. They're both in the in the southern. So you you kind of have two 1777 uh, major battles: Brandywine, mm-hmm. Saratoga, and then you have two southern battles with Guilford and Utah Springs that were their own box. And with the tri pack, uh, you get all those games. You get gorgeous, beautiful mounted maps. Like these are. Saratoga might be in my like top five hex encounter maps of all time. It, it is a gorgeous map. Yeah, it is. Beautiful. I didn't actually. So what I said earlier, I haven't had a whole lot of time for gaming this month. I played a decent amount of Brandywine. Uh-huh. Um, the others two, I just kind of looked at, but the Saratoga map is gorgeous. It is, and so you get the counters for each individual game, which I thought was funny. Like the game informational counters are reprinted three times. <laughs> yeah, because that's how they were originally printed. Anyways, yeah, so you get, you get four battles in, in one box, and I did not play Guilford or Utah Springs, but I did play Saratoga Solo, Saratoga Opposed, and Brandywine appro- Opposed. I'm going to just, I'm going to start big picture real quick, Rich. Sure. And first off, I'm going to say I'm a huge fan of this series. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I went into it in my mind comparing it to GBACW which I have played Mm-mm. around a little bit with and kind of bounced off. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, I don't know why, but I was thinking comparing this to that. And I pretty quickly realized that they're, I like this one a lot more. So the system is a lot more fun for me. So it, it has that nomenclature, right? It's the great battles of the American right. revolution. Yep. This is in no way tied to the Richard Berg designs of great battles of history and great battles of the American civil war. It is significantly lighter, um, and that was going to be my other big observation. I'm a fan, and mm-hmm. it's a surprisingly snappy, and it's a surprisingly light uh, yeah. series design. 
that. Yeah, and sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, absolutely. Go I ahead. was just going to say on that, um, it's probably a good comparison would be Men of Iron. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking um, Men of Iron, as as Flying Colors. Weight, complexity, fun, all of that. Yep. Which, I mean, we love that game. So that's going to tell you that this one's, you know, going to score high. We're going to blow through the mechanics real quick because they're kind of straightforward you have a an initiative phase um initiative can be modified by your overall army morale which is a huge component of this game we're going to talk about more but basically a lot of your combat results and and things you do in this game will influence your overall morale right the initiative player will move all of their units there will then be a rally phase and then there will be a rifle fire phase and a defending art or sorry defending artillery first so only That's the non-initiative player fires artillery. Yeah, then you do a rifle not get to fire. fire artillery on your turn, ever. No, nope, never. Rifle fire is simultaneous. That is only rifle units, so mm-hmm. you have very few of those in almost every single scenario. Some, and that's in, also... In Cernoga, you have one each. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also the only kind of fire that you can fire like into an adjacent hex. Yeah. Like cannons will fire, you know, three hexes, I think rifles will fire only adjacent. Everyone else is close combat yep. only where you get adjacent, but then you're, we'll talk about it later, but you have to attack the guys next to you. Yeah. So then you get close combat and then you pass over to the other, the other side. There's not a lot of chance for a reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can maybe do like some cav withdrawal that, that, oh, is, yeah. that works true. well as for cavalry screening. It It is not too dissimilar from GCCW, just on a much lighter and easier scale. But basically, if if you're about to be in close combat with your cav, you can retreat and say, we're out of here, no yep. combat. And then you can only do that once per turn. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to wait. And so what this game does set up for is the potential for, for double turns because of that initiative system. So if you can maneuver yourself into favorable positions you can really strike some devastating blows by if you win the following initiative you can you can follow up and maybe you catch artillery on their own or or something like that and there are momentum chips that you can win during the game to that you can spend to try to increase your chance of Mm -hmm. winning the initiative as well yeah so combat itself is to fire at someone is really hard as you would expect i mean rifles at that time were not very accurate Artillery was not you. You really need to present a strong force of artillery to to really be effective. And at, you can artillery can be effective, like if you can line a bunch of guys yep. up so that you can. Because if you've got you know a bunch of artillery in a row, you can combine them. They mm-hmm. don't even have to be in the mm-hmm. same hex. But you know, I got three these three guys all stacked up on a ridge line together. They're all shooting at this same stack. Then you're going to get some good effective shots. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. So it, a lot of this game, with with keeping that in mind, is you get some effective artillery, but not a lot, and then it comes down to close combat, which really is the meat and potatoes of this game. And that what that means is maneuvering is so important in this game because, like Rich said, you have to attack things adjacent to you. There's some exceptions, like attacking across Brandywine Creek is is optional. Yeah, and rifled guys don't have to attack. Yeah, they can kind of sit out because they provide a negative DRM. But really what you're you're doing is you can only stack six strength points in a hex and get a leader and artillery piece in there. But for mm-hmm. close combat purposes, you can only have six in there. And so what you really want to do is maneuver your force and deploy them and spread out your wings so you can 
hit multiple locations at once because the worst thing you want to do is have a guy go into a hex and then have adjacent combats next to him. You obviously wouldn't do this because he has to attack all everything adjacent to him. And so if you come in with a full force and each hex is covered by an opposing hex, you're not you're not making dumb attacks. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Battle Him. Um, it's yeah. not the same, but Battle Him, you've got your, I think they even call them Battle Blobs in that game, where, you know, you'll divide them up. In this one, you've got a little more control, but anybody that can be attacked has to be attacked mm-hmm. with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that I really like about the the tactics in this game is that if you can get into good positions where you've got extra guys and like open flanks and stuff like that, part of the things that you can do in this game are play tactics cards. Um, so like, you know, going into the battle, if I'm playing against you, I can say, okay, I'm just doing, I don't remember the name of it. I'm just doing like a straight forward rush and you can do, well, I'm going to withdraw or I'm going to try to attack your flanks, but there's some basic cards that you can always use. And then there's other cards you can only use in certain situations, like what the battlefield position looks like, whether you have a leader there, things like that. So good positioning and good use of your leaders gets you access to better tactics mm-hmm. and the whole tactics so i i've talked about this in the, in the past i think when i first played the system i played with really enjoyed it someone suggested oh let's not even use the tactics jits or the, oh, or the really? battle cards yeah <laughs> that's like Co- such a cool thing about it they're so wrong they could not be <laughs> yeah. more wrong because i think their point was well it's obvious it's always obviously what it's always obvious what they're going to play so wrong the whole deployment of tactics chips and so it's like skirmish stand fast attack on echelon refuse flank turn flank whatever if i attack on echelon as the attacker in rich withdraws i refuse his withdrawal and get a plus one modifier in my close combat diary modifier if mm-hmm. i attack on echelon and then rich goes into a skirmish line that turns into a minus one and so this whole deployment of tactics chits or you can use the cards that come with the game turns into this mind game of man rich is probably withdrawing here but he knows i'm withdrawing so he's probably looking for the minus one counterpart to my plus one attack to his withdrawal which means he's probably skirmishing which means then i want to stand fast but if i stand fast and withdraws then we have no combat and it's this whole mind game and i love it (laughs) like i just yeah when it hits and then you get like a plus two because you have a leader and you have open flanks oh man it's so good Yeah. And other than like a few seconds to play the card, it doesn't add any extra time or anything. It's just, it adds an extra layer of actual tactical choices that you're making in the game. And like I said, it's even better because it's not just rock, paper, scissors. Yep. You know, if I have a leader in this battle and you don't, I can use cards that you can't use. Mm -hmm. If I have, like, there's that one, it's called a diversionary attack. Um, oh, yeah. where you like you've got a guy that doesn't have to attack but you have him on the flank you can you can only use the card if you have your guys set up correctly yeah it's good it's a great it's a great component of the game i'm a big fan of it as well i it's just it's a good mind mind game yeah guys get captured a lot i, yeah. I really don't know much about um the warfare at this time but <laughs> it seems like guys get captured an awful lot especially artillery. and there's there's also, um, you know, yeah, artillery. They're basically helpless if they're undefended. Um, but another thing I noticed and I thought was cool is there's variable victory conditions. So, yep. you know, like each each 
each army is like, oh, you want to take this hex or you want to make sure that you're on this hex, you defend it or, or whatever. Um, and then all during the course of the battle, another thing you're trying to do is just drive down the enemy army's morale by, you know, getting good die rolls and by capturing and killing them and doing things like that. And if you do those things over the course of the game, they're their morale will be dropping. So now, you know, this unit that was a plus one, he was a good morale unit. Now he's a zero unit. And if you get him down all the way to zero, then they just leave the field and you automatically win. Yeah. Yeah. If you get the overall army, not the, not the individual unit, right, not right, right. Units, yeah. units stay. I mean, you can have negative two, negative three. Yeah. Once those morale, things but if the in. army goes down to zero, yep. they leave and the game's over. Yeah. So that happened in Brandywine. Uh, Bill made a pretty good defense, but I just had some really good. Brits? I was playing the Brits, okay, but I was yeah. able to drive them off and demoralize them when I guess technically I had him. So you get different scales of, of victory. If I get the hex, that's the best victory. Huge, huge victory. If you demoralize the whole army, that's the next level. And then you can mm-hmm. get a marginal victory if you just win on victory points. Right. Which is just by like eliminating units leaders. So I had him on victory points, but by getting the morale then i got the next level uh, of victory and like if it we were on the second to last turn when our final combat drove the his morale and i think i think it was a, an artillery unit like getting captured it was porter it was porter's artillery getting captured at brandywine that's just like the whole american army at that point was just like you know what we're out we just <laughs> lost porter is we're that done. the guy like just north just off the creek on that no 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 that's the that's the redoubt that's worth extra victory points never got him okay i hardly even got across brandywine over there yeah that's a tough spot to take (laughs) Uh, and then so like saratoga opposed went the whole distance and that was a marginal victory for the british which for the opening saratoga and i guess we should mention like all of these individual games will have the base scenario and then like maybe another maybe two extra scenarios with different rules like saratoga has a has a the american attack and adds in like ammo shortages and stuff like that and some of them will have like historical and i don't know what they call it the standard like make it make everything even or whatever yeah yeah it it reminds me a lot of ways of of Simonich in that you have this straightforward hex encounter game with maybe not as much chrome as zakban Mm-hmm. But the appropriate amount of chrome that captures the time period exceptionally well. So it's a rules-like game with good chrome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, every, I guess because it's a, they were all individual games, you know, it was never meant to be one game it's a series but they were all individual games so obviously they all have their own rule books they all have yeah i i didn't think about it before but the zock bond is a pretty good comparison because they have that type of chrome so when what i'm thinking of if you play um the arden arden 44 you know there's there's a whole section in the rule book about this particular unit is like good at attacking fortified locations Mm -hmm. this guy can do this this guy can do this and there's you know a couple pages of just that and these rule books often have the same kind of thing oh this guy is like this particular rifled unit that is also good at close combat you know that kind of thing yep so which means you do have to remember the stuff when it's on the board but it's not 
it's not overwhelming. No, you'll have one unit that way, and you'll yeah. have these particular hexes you can't abandon. And so I will say, like, Saratoga, I really, that's the most reading I did over over the past month. I focused on Saratoga. That's the most time, game I spent the most time with. And the notes in the book are good, too. Oh, man, yeah, that's a great point. We should talk about that and the rules here in just a second. But, like, with Saratoga, it captures the history really well. But, like, the first Saratoga battle, Gateswing doesn't do anything. And they're not released until the British, like, really close in on them. So you're only you're only doing something with a little bit of the U.S. So for, like, a one-on-one game, when I was teaching this to Andrew at, our, at the Kansas City game day, I took the U.S., one, because the Brits were attacking. I'm a big fan of if you're learning a game, you should be the attacker. And two, there wasn't a lot for the U.S. to do. To do but I, I still enjoyed it like I had a good like okay how can I use Arnold who's really the only guy I can be offensive with and try some offensive things like like he wanted to be like he wanted to charge straight into the Brits defensive fortifications be damned whereas Gates wanted to hold back so that's what you can do in the game you hold you have to hold Gates back but you can go in with Arnold if you want and so whereas that might be a little bit boring for the Gates component of it uh, I still really like the game as a whole Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah the the notes and the playbooks and, and stuff like that. It's just like separate rule books, like Rich said, are tons of information about the campaigns and the battles. What's interesting to me is this is a like a thirty year old system that has been collected and reprinted and has been reprinted again for the second try back. There's yeah. a lot of rule frustrations still. Is there? You think? I th- I. What yeah. did you run into with that? A couple things. Because I didn't really, like I said, I only played the one game. Um, yeah. I just kind of looked at, honestly, the other ones, mostly I just looked at the maps and the counters. Sure. Um, but Brandywine, I played a decent amount. And mostly I just, I kind of followed the sequence of play and I may have missed stuff. And no. it's actually probably more likely because I was playing solitaire. I bet you um, didn't. But the stuff with the chrome, you know, I probably missed some of that. I bet you didn't miss that much. A lot of it is case stuff. So just for example, Saratoga. You know, the rule book says for strategic move, you get double movement. You can't enter a Zoc. Mm -hmm. All that that kind of stuff you'd come to expect in a a hex encounter game. The game rules then define where you can do strategic movement. Okay. In Saratoga, roads and tracks are on the same line on the train effects chart. But they're different in the imaging on the map. And then little roads are, in the footnote, talk about strategic movement, but not for tracks. But it very clearly means tracks because it also says says roads negate other terrain. If you don't allow tracks to negate other terrain, there's no way in hell the British ever get through on the left flank of the U.S. It just it would never happen because it's all woods over there. It's all The whole map is wooded. And they very clearly intend roads and tracks to operate the same way, but it's never been clarified in the last, I don't know, Saratoga came out. I don't know when Saratoga came out, so but Brandywine them, was 2000. Checked, yeah, it was, it was nine, I don't remember the order, but 98, 2000, 2002. Okay. So sometime, and then in 2017, this game came out. So at least 15 years later, and that's never been addressed. And then, so it'll say the game rules define which units are militia. Neither Brandywine or Saratoga in the game rules define what is militia. Andrew mentioned he watched one playthrough video that said kneeling units are all militia. That's not in the rules anywhere. In Saratoga, mm. the kneeling units on their counter name 
List militia, so it's clear they're militia. And Brandywine, there's kneeling units, but none of them have the militia designation. Are there militia units in Brandywine? I don't know. Does it really matter? <laughs> Maybe not. Still a great game, but I'm just thinking, like, here you are. You have the 2020 rules out, and some of this stuff has never been confronted and, and just cleaned up a little bit. And that's what's kind of frustrating. If we were talking BCS, I, I guess that's not fair because I've, I've – the first edition rules of BCS, I, I rode pretty hard. If we were talking OCS and stuff like that, if I was like, man, it's not always clear who the partisan units in OCS are, you know, you know, something like that. Sure. I'd probably give it a little bit of plus. But because this is such like an easy kind of game, it's just like, figure this out. Also, <laughs> you know? and like you said, if if it's 20 years later and they re- reprinted it. Right. Well, like Herman gets a pass with Pacific War. And that was 30 years of development, and there's still a lot of problem with the Pacific War rulebook, okay? The thing is, like, that's a great game, but, boy, the rules could still use some more work, okay? Oh, yeah. They need another 30 years. <laughs> it gets a pass because of, like, the complexity and scale. This is so basic. You just, like, fix this stuff. You know? I don't know. That's just how yeah. I feel. Now, that being said, it's fantastic, and a lot of those case rules will not matter, will not impact your games. But that was, like, a takeaway. They're just, like, there's a little bit of sloppiness going on here. Not that big a deal. Okay. Other than that. Yeah. I mean, other than that, so, I don't have any other complaints. Yeah. Um, I guess for complaints. So the sequence of play, I don't know if it's a complaint or not. We talked about the defensive artillery. Uh-huh. That leads to weirdness. Sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But you can never use your artillery to like, you know, prep for an attack or anything like that that's true and and maybe they didn't in 1775 i i'm not an expert on warfare in that period but man that feels weird to me <laughs> i can see it that. feels weird to me that i want to run troops up this hill and i cannot shoot them with my cannons first well that's what i think i think <laughs> you're i think you're not wrong i think that's a little bit of the quirkiness of, of the system that i actually really enjoy because also there's a lot of times where you have to do a forced advance and mm-hmm. that's awful. And that oh, is bad yeah. news because you so, you advance into a into a one to three attack, brother. So and that you was are the, doomed. Well, not only that, but that was the other main thing I was going to bring up. And it's a system thing. You may like it, you may hate it, but so say you're defending a Ford as you do a lot in Brandywine. When the enemy comes up, they're going to get um, you know negatives for attacking across this Ford. When it's your turn, you have to attack them back. And you get that same negative. You're not the defender anymore. You're the attacker now because it's your turn. Well, I, I thought that was kind of weird. That is true in Saratoga on the creeks. In Brandywine, just as a point of clarification, you attacking across Brandywine is always optional. Right. Unless there's a Ford there. Oh, really? I think you have to attack across okay. the Fords. That never came up in our game. Like the Fords either, Bill either fell back from the Fords because it was later in the game. Yeah. Or I never like presented the guys on the Fords because, okay. And that would make sense, I guess, because if yeah. there's a Ford right there, you see the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. You so, have to attack if there's right. a unit. Now there. you're the attacker. You're no longer defending that Ford. You're attacking across. But it. I think what I've read, and again, I'm not this going into this, Brandywine and Saratoga, I really knew nothing about these battles. American Revolution is not my cup of tea. I, like, I've, I read British are coming, but that's everything and 1776. All of that's before. And Washington's Crossing. I read that too. All of that's before these battles. But 
reading what I read and listening to Revolutions and stuff, I think it still really feels like it captures the time period. And so, like, if you commit something forward, like, all right, that we're we're charging forward and we're moving for and you drive them back and you would occupy their hacks it sounds like a lot of times it'd be like okay and then here the here comes this other regiment on your flank watch out buddy you know like that just seems to be how it kind of like battle unfolded yeah i i totally grant that possibility like i said i think i've said at least a couple times now i'm not an expert on warfare during that time just as a gamer yeah. I feel like if I'm telling these guys to defend this creek, stay on this side of the damn yeah. creek. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, fair. Fair. Yeah, it's got quirkiness, but I like it. It's charm with yeah. just like how it pre- the maneuvering is so interesting. Where can you and where can you set up like a potential for them to to counterattack? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's really yeah. good. And <laughs> and because it's so snappy and plays so smoothly, the maneuvering feels good. It's not like very rigid like Oh, I crawl forward one hex when we make one slow advance. No, with the scale, you're moving four hexes at a time, so you're covering a good amount of ground. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it feels good in in that regard. Yeah, cavalry feels effective. You can yeah. use it defensively, um, or you know you can use their extra movement to get up and around them and take cannons and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it, you know, we you talk a lot about how GCACW cap scream is one of your favorite things. Mm-hmm. I think it shares that. It's not quite as good, but it, it works at this level of complexity. Okay, I just have a couple quick recommended readings. Revolutions podcast is great. I did, I think there's been some, I think he presents Benedict Arnold as being drunk to lead the counterattack in Saratoga. The other things I've read don't. I think by that point, Arnold and Gates had kind of made up and had dinner, and I don't really think that'd be the case. But it was still, for very quick snapshots of Brandywine in Saratoga, it was great. I'm not a big Revolutions listener, but I really enjoyed them. The other book I really, really like this is The Complete Victory, Saratoga and the American Revolution by Kevin Weddle. And I gave it like a four out of five. It's not a lot of detail in the actual fighting. I mean, there's a good amount there, but it's more just the overall Saratoga campaign and how terrible idea it was. And just uh, does a great job of talking about the leadership, the individual leaders and their impact on the, the overall campaign. So curious when you say it was a bad idea on the Brits part or on our part? The the Brits part, the fact okay. of taking... My Albany understanding, overland if the French Navy idea. had not cut them off, that, well, I mean, that was the only reason we really won that. Right? Well, no, here's here's the deal. The No, Saratoga really convinced the French to, to get in even more. Here's, here's what happened at Saratoga. They draw up this crackpot idea to take Albany overland, and they're going to march from Canada through Ticonderoga down to Albany and take Albany. And then there was all this miscommunication from how Clinton, John Burgoyne, and um, the the governor of Canada, no one knew what was, ever, what was going on. Burgoyne claims that Howe was going to reinforce him. Anyways, it didn't happen. So Ticonderoga falls because the American units don't defend the heights that overlook the fort. So it like falls in a day. Mm-hmm. And Burgoyne had talked about we need wagons, but 
because Ticonderoga, Ticonderoga fell so early, the wagons never came. So then Burgoyne starts this overland campaign without the transport that he really needs. And both revolutions talked about this, and Bill brought this up. Is uh, He calls it Gentleman Johnny's party, party train. And then they bring all these like women along with them and stuff. And so it's just a clusterfuck from a supply standpoint. Then they get over the river, the Delaware River. And so they have all these little boats, but they don't have wagon trains. So it becomes an ammo issue, a food issue. There's no supply route for Burgoyne that deep into New York. And then the U.S. militia on the first day stands. And then Benedict Arnold leads basically a counterattack, kicks their ass. And then by that point, Howe is finally moving some units up north to like counter gates but not he was never going to meet up with Burgoyne Burgoyne uses that little bit of information to like settle a treaty and not a full-blown surrender which is kind of interesting anyways it's just like the supply logistics were doomed for a number of reasons plus the lack of communication and overall leader as to what the actual strategy was for Albany in 1777 so it's not really the French involvement or anything like that is my understanding but it's just kind of a bad idea like you have the world's most powerful navy why are you doing this overland campaign for like Albany of all things okay but at the same point Howe is then focused on Philadelphia and then finally realizes oh shit I should go after Washington the thing that actually matters but then of course Washington escapes after Brandywine anyways that's the that's the uh, the backdrop for for Saratoga. I, it's a super interesting campaign to me, and and really, for a lot of historians, it sounds like it's the the turning point of the revolution for a number of reasons. Whew. All right, all all horned up for for Saratoga. <laughs> so yeah, revolutions podcast complete victory. Final summary: This game rocks. Like this series is a lot of fun. It's, it's a step above beer beer and pretzels. It's a step below great battles of history maybe two steps below great battles of history what about you any final thoughts rich Hmm. the only thought i had on it is just that for whatever reason american revolution maybe if i lived on the east coast it'd be different but there's so many american revolution battles that i just don't connect to in the same Hmm. way that i connect to even like some world war ii and especially u.s civil war stuff so um I, I I like the game. I I like everything about it. Um, but like these three specific battles, as as a guy that's interested in them for the history purpose, I have a hard time like fitting them into their slot. You know what I mean? Okay. Like you talk about the Battle of the Bulge. Everybody knows what that is. The Allies have been pressing. Germany has one last hurrah. That's what that battle's about. You name like the Battle of some island in the Pacific. You can tell Allies needed this airfield. It you know, I look at all three of these battles, and for the most part, they don't mean a lot to me. Just the names of the battles. Gaming them is still fun. I'm enjoying it, but I don't quite have that connection that I have. You uh, the what? only thing, so <laughs> um, it's it's totally stupid, but the Battle of uh, Guilford Courthouse is also called the Battle of Cowpens, and that was the battle at the end of the movie The Patriot. But I don't think there's a lot of historicity in that movie. So. I did watch The Patriot. By but the that way, is my connection month. to it. <laughs> oh, 
watch that movie. So yeah. what's interesting, Rich, is I felt the exact same way as you, and then I started looking into 1777 because, like I said, all of my American Revolution reading is 1776 with 1776 okay. by what's his name, British so coming in Princeton. So I have read 1776 by McCullough. That's what I meant. Yeah, and, yeah, and I'm. It just it just didn't do it for me for whatever okay. reason. All right. But yeah, I mean, if if I could find a way to get more of a connection with these specific battles, uh, I think I would like the game even more. Fair enough. I, I that's we talk about this a lot. How we connect with these moments in history is always so important to us. I found the connection. That doesn't mean you're going to find the connection. I find this this stretch of the American Revolution. I think it's a damn shame we don't have a campaign game covering both Brandywine and Saratoga at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I want so badly for a strategic game. I wanted War for America, and, you know, I didn't buy it pre order because it's a Compass game, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, but what a mess. That's the game I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm looking for that game that's going to connect all the pieces. I feel it. I feel it. Okay. Well, that means it is time, folks. Folks, we have a list, a list of every war game ever made ranked from best to worst. And how this works is Rich and I are going to place these games as one conglomerate Battles of the American Revolution tri-pack on this list. But folks, this list is 100% objective. Rich and I are merely the sculptors of the list, fire up the wheel tie each other's blindfolds we stick our hands out we get them a little wet first before we touch the clay oh yeah you gotta be careful and then we we shape this list so rich i I believe it's time and we share a google doc peel back the curtain right here but i see where you have your cursor right this minute i mean i think i agree with you 100 (laughs) percent. this is gonna be the quickest we ever do you're gonna say below men of iron right yeah i mean above battle him it's better than battle him yeah, so we've already talked about both of these games. Yeah, we've talked so about easy. the comparison with the Men of Iron Tri-Pack. We've talked about the Battle Blob for Battle Him. It feels like it just needs to go right in between those two games. Yeah, so here's the deal. It's, is Great <laughs> Battles of History a better, a better overall design? Yeah, absolutely. Is this more fun and a shit ton less fiddly? absolutely Er. So Great Battles of the American Revolution Tri-Pack, this is the fastest we've ever ranked a game. It's going in at 37, and I, I think it's perfect. It's slightly below the Zokbon. Zokbon a little bit more rewarding with like Normandy 44, but yep. above Slorno 43, which is like an introduction. I think it's good. I think the fact that it's above all bridges burning is a damn shame, but I was going to have this above Flying Colors, which is another kind of like above Beer and Pretzels, very fun, very light. I really like this and the story that unfolds and just the maneuvering. So good. Yeah, me too. Good game. Highly recommended. Absolutely. And there is a new tri-pack coming out. There is the Battle of Rhode Island, which adds in some event cards. Mm -hmm. There is a new P500 for this tri-pack. It's not very far along in the process, but. Yeah. Very good. Look at that. Number 37. Rich, that brings our total up to 74 games. How many more do we have to go? Well, we got a choice. We can either do 74 more games or we can both rate and review every game that either of us owns. Very good. So we have a long way to go, folks, is the short of it. 
here's the deal. Next month, we normally at this time talk about what we're playing next month. Next month is our end of the year episode. We have time to play games. We're gonna, well, <laughs> hopefully we have time to play games. We have time to review that stuff. So, what we're gonna do? We have our end of the year episode. I'm gonna set up a new channel on the Discord for end of the year P500, not P500. Holy shit! Every war game ever list corrections, and if they're well thought out and they're valid, Rich and I will consider them. If they're things like 1817 is the third worst game ever made, Rich and I aren't going to consider those. So if I already know, I've already identified a couple of my corrections. Um, but if, if you think we're legitimately wrong about something, I want to hear why. And Rich wants to hear why. Not just like trolling us or not like, oh, the US Civil War sucks. I'm glad you feel that way. But we all know it's the best game ever made. But if you're like, hey, here's where you guys were a little bit wrong and why Men of Iron is worse than Sword of Realm. I'd love to hear it for us to consider. So that channel will be open. We'll reevaluate the list in December. Am I forgetting anything, Rich? Uh, Just for December? Yeah, or anything. No, I don't think so. Okay, good. There's another list. There is another list. So before we get to that list, Rich, I need water and I need to use the restroom. Okay, Rich, I'm back. I have my Keeping It Lean, Mean, and Green Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles water cup. All right. And it is time. Finally, I've come to really enjoy this process each year. And if you're, you're unfamiliar, we open the voting up to our Discord members for their top 20 games of all time. Rules are Pretty limited. Um, combine things like Combat Commander ASL into one one pick. Limit it to board games. Card games are, are, are in as well under that. But just like no RPGs, things like that. And submit your list. And then we rank them. And yeah, we go from there. This is the results of the past month of collecting all that data and all our listeners' votes. Did you have any predictions you want to get off your chest, Rich? Yeah, sort of generic, but I think I think the list is going to skew lighter than the every war game ever list. Okay. And I'm not sure which way it's going to fall, but I wonder how the systems are going to do. I wonder if we will yeah. see see them congregate together and take up a lot of spots or wonder if we will see them eat each other and have good games fall off the list because you know, another game in the system took their place. So I'm not, just, I'm not sure. I, I'm not going to make a prediction on that, but I want to see oh, specifically OCS, BCS, GCACW. I want to see how those do. Very good. So it was interesting. I'm just going to pull back a little bit of the curtain here. And I'll, well, after we do the list, I'll get the details. But generally speaking, most of the series were like a shotgun blast. You get a couple votes over here for this game, a couple votes mm-hmm. over here. There were... One series in particular that almost everyone who listed that series listed this game and not others. So, Hmm. meaning if there's seven games in the series and, I don't know, eight people had that series on their list, they picked game one of the seven almost unanimously. And then there was one series. Can I take a guess on what that is? Yeah. Is it Next War? No. No? Okay. And then there was one series, didn't even matter. There were so many votes across the board for the entire <laughs> series that it did exceptionally well. Yeah. 
right. Uh, I made some predictions early on last month in the Discord. I just copied them over. I said Dian Fu was going to crack the top 20. I said the U.S. Civil War was going to fall outside the top 10. This is the listener, not not mine. <laughs> I said Levian Campaign is going to crack the top 15 at least once. Combat Commander was going to crack the top five, especially since we consolidated both Europe and Pacific into one vote. And that Dutch inner city. I said we all get some good, good Dutch inner city. Some some good, good dick. Um, the last one was very far from being true. Uh, Dutch inner city is nowhere near the top 20. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to reveal the listener's choice. And Rich and I are going to talk about our 20 choice. And what we did last year is I gave Rich a little little teaser. All right. So I get one guess. That's all. One, one guess. guess for each yeah. One. We'll keep we'll keep this one one moving. Um. I guess, like, how... Oh, fine, whatever. This was... I should have thought about these. Just don't give me the artist. <laughs> yeah, right. This game plays, like, four to six people is is the, the best spot for it. Number 20. Yeah. Uh, Not six explicitly. Four to six, very well. Twilight Imperium. No. All right, so number 20 for the listener's choice. Uh, last year was ranked number 53. I think that changes by the reprint coming out some point uh, and getting a lot more play is John Company. Ooh, good number one. Number 20. Uh, you like this game, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, well, I can't remember if it was on my list or I think it was. No, I guess it didn't make it. Man, so for my list, I literally, I took any game that I thought could make the list and I ended up with 38 of them. And uh-huh. I put it into the game ranker and I just, I let the game ranker do the work and whatever came out, came out and I wasn't going to argue with it. So I did more or less the same thing. I did anything that like had a remote chance. I had like a hundred games and then I narrowed, I did it. I put those hundred games through the game ranker and then I took the top 40 from the game ranker and like redid it a couple Ooh. times. And that's how I got my top 20. Okay. So John company, if you're unfamiliar, multiplayer game, you're, uh, British nobles trying to get positioning in the British East India Company, and you're trying to manipulate the company and your own private companies and the will of India and the in the company to your own family's benefit. It is very much like Republic of Rome for me. Um, both of those games will come up later on my list. A little spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Rich, you're number twenty, sir. My twenty was. As you thought it might be uh, for the big list, my 20 was Dian Bien Phu, The Final Gamble. Yeah, and you played that this year. Yeah, I played that one about a month or two ago with my daughter. We only played about a turn or so. We didn't have much time. But um, yeah, that's fantastic game. Um, I was a little rusty because I don't think I had played it since we ranked it. But it's just so good. And it comes mm-hmm. back pretty quickly. It's, you know, very... Um, it's a very asymmetric game between the, the two sides and the further you get into it, the better it gets. Cause then you get into the, you know, supply planes being shot down and you're losing random supplies and things like that. So excellent game. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of war games I would consider are asymmetric, but you're right. The DMM Fu in terms of like a hex, a typical hex encounter war game is so much more asymmetric while remaining a, hex encounter war game you you know not being like something that's it's innovative but it's also still a hex encounter game but it's also very asymmetric whereas it's not just u.s versus germans you also have different considerations for both sides and different kind of with either the trench encroachment for 
the Vietnamese or the supply game for the the French. It it is uh, the same but different game for both those. My number twenty was Men of Iron Battles Tri Pack. This game is just so much fun, and it covers such a, an interesting period of history. It's something that I did not think I would ever like. And I think a lot of that comes from great battles of history, but the, this turns down the action, turns up the action and turns down the fiddliness into like a kind of a perfect blend for me. And so men of iron battles, Tripack is uh, exceptional and might be the best value you can get in games. Oh, like it's so good. There's so much of gaming for what you pay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Number 19. Uh, this is a game that was 20 last year, moving up one spot into the 19th spot. Rich, you won't find our list hammered on any doors, but you might find this <laughs> game so, there. It, is this game Here I Stand? It is. Wow. Yeah, we talk about Here I Stand all the time. This is a oh, six-player yeah, asymmetric game. We love oh, this. Sure. this is it's great. on my list. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, um, and that's how I knew it wasn't 20, because this one's not good 4 to 6. This one's good at exactly 6. Exactly 6. But I it's great. I mean, I played it, what, a month ago? Three weeks ago? Something like that? Great game. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on this one a little bit later as to why it's not in my top 20, but it's a fantastic game. We talk about Heresy all the time. Almost mm-hmm. monthly. Yeah. All right, what was your number 19, buddy? Uh, my favorite, uh, my, my 19th was Korea, The Forgotten War, which better known to me at least as OCS Korea. So, um, yep. yeah, I, I like, I mean, I've been sort of lamenting, but I, I play mostly solitaire nowadays just because that's kind of where I am at this stage of my life. But um, because of that, I have a special fondness for these kind of big games that are very one-sided for a turn or two. Because they're fun to play for one or two turns, you know, see how well you can do the invasion, mm-hmm. see if you can meet the early objectives, and then move on to the next thing. So OCS Korea is a fantastic early invasion game. Love it. Love OCS Korea. I'll say more on it later. My number 19 is Atlantic Chase. And what's interesting is I pulled this out, and I'll be playing this more in December, which I'm very excited for. Someone local bought it. They want to tackle it. So I pulled it out for two reasons. One, to bring myself up to speed. And then two, to kind of confirm that this was still in my top 20 games of all time. And it holds up. The innovation in this game design, the kind of trajectory stuff still feels so good. And the the mindset, the changing your mindset of... Let's say in battle, Battles of the American Revolution, Saratoga, you have, you're going to fight it out until the end of the game. Whereas in Atlantic Chase, some of your missions might just be go out and do a little bit, do what you can, and then get back and hide. And then, and then continue to play out the campaign. Just such a fun break from all the same stuff we see, which I like all the same stuff, but it's so innovative. Uh, it's light, but it's, it's beautiful on the table. And I'm I'm really excited to be getting back to it because I think it's been too long and and the solo plays I've been doing have have confirmed it as so far a, a top twenty game. I I'm very excited to see the Pacific element and to see even more carriers added. That's going to be really interesting. I think. Yeah, that's one I really want to introduce to my daughter next year. She's graduating a few weeks and she'll be home then. So 
I think she'll like that one a lot. I'll get to play it. Very good. Was 2023 the year of Finnish naval wargaming, or is that 22? I think both were. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, this one, this number 18 falls into our year of Finnish gaming. <sighs> is it Second Fleet? It is not. Oh, okay. It is Nevsky. Oh, I think, okay. I think there's a tiny sliver of, of Finland there. All right. Uh, a terrible clue. I understand that now. Because <laughs> then I like I did like double guess, like, wait a second, is Finland there? I'm pretty sure it is, but if it's not, it's Nevsky. Uh Levine campaign, my prediction comes true. The the first and I think probably the most played for, for most of our listeners because of Rally the Troops, it's Nevsky. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see where Plantagenet falls on this list next year. But you're right, for now, I mean we've got really three i mean plantagenet just came out three three games that people are widely familiar with and um i've heard a few people say they like almoravid the best but for me i like nevsky the best yeah and here's the other deal nevsky's on rally of the troops and plantagenet will be on rally of the troops so they sure. both have yep. wider availability and just ease of play uh nevsky is still solid i think uh between almoravid and nevsky i'm with you i like nevsky a little bit more um, but I've been playing it kind of ad nauseum over the last few months and the campaign has lost a little, a, a little bit of its attraction to me. I really like the Watland, um, scenario. I like the smaller ones, but anyways, yeah, Nevsky is, is still solid. Yeah. All right, Rich, you're number 18. My 18 was Panzer's Last Stand, which is a uh, BCS Hungary game. So if you know me, you know, I like Hungary games, you know, I love BCS and, it's just a, it's a great, great BCS game. Uh, the goal of it is to relieve the German units that are sort of trapped in Budapest. And if you're uh, playing the Russians, your job is to not let them do that. It's got a great, gorgeous map. It's got some cool rules where you get extra river crossings on the first turn and just plays out really well. Great BCS game. Little surprise this was at 18. I expected it higher for you, not going to lie. And yeah, okay. I kind of did too. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not. Sh- I'm not criticizing that by any means. I just. I thought. Um, I was thinking one of those BCS would would crack your top ten. Spoiler alert. So yeah, I was a little surprised at myself. My number eighteen, and this is the game that for series was a focused laser for anyone having a fleet <laughs> game on their list. Almost everyone voted for second fleet. Which is right, because Finland is covered. What else are you going to vote for? Fleet is so good. I just got third fleet in the mail. Yeah, I saw that. Which one is third? Caribbean. Okay. Um, And just like going through it, it's just like, yeah, fleet is really good. And the the amazing thing about fleet is how much it accomplishes without an insane amount of rules overhead. And kind of playing Seas of Thunder has made me think about Fleet a lot, which is all the subsystems and, and kind of understanding how how different units interact and, and all that stuff. Uh, I want I want to play more Fleet in 2024. And I don't know where the Compass Repent stands. I don't know if it's already happened. I completely missed it. I'm, I'm completely in the dark on that. But wherever it is, I, I hope that the new approach to Fleet uh, does it justice because that is... That whole series is an absolute gem. And number 18 for me, second fleet. Good stuff. All right, number 17 is a coin game. Ooh. It's the highest it's coin gotta game. It's got to be uh, 
I'm drawing a blank on the name. The Vietnam one. Fire in the Lake. Yeah, Fire in the Lake. You got it. There we go. Nice. So Fire in the Lake was number 10 last year, dropping seven spots down to 17. I think that's largely just our audience and, and you and I ourselves not being massive coin players. We just mm-hmm. don't, we don't talk a lot of coin. And if we do, it's not always in the most positive light. Sure. Uh, but it's great. It's it's easily in my top three of coin. And uh, I'm thinking January might be coin for Kansas City Historical Gaming Group. And if Fire in the Lake is what I get into, I will not be disappointed. Yeah, I think coin may be one of the drawbacks as well as most of them are four-player games. And it's just harder to find four people that want to play coin all day. Um like I was talking earlier with Algeria, Colonial Twilight is is really nice at two players. I like that one. So it's not my favorite coin game. I still like Fire in the Lake better, but it it's I'm looking forward to playing it again in comparison to Algeria. Since we're talking our top twenty list, my highest ranked coin individually was All Bridges Burning. Just because two of the three factions are nearly do everything I want, I imagine and want a coin game to do. And yeah. the fact that you can then play only two of those three factions with the two-player variant, yep. brilliant. Still love yeah. All Bridges Burning. It's just talking to my daughter today about that, how I want to play that one with the two-player variant. So good. My 17th was, this was a surprise to me, maybe it's Cult of the New, I don't uh-huh. know, but uh-huh. Valley of Tears. Yeah. I mean, so I love BCS, um, and I really love what they've done with the air stuff in BCS. They've added a whole new layer to it, made it really interesting. And maybe, you know, whatever the next one is, whether it's probably another World War II game, maybe they don't go back to it because this fits better in the area, in the era of surface to air missiles. But everything they've done to this one feels really good. So I like Valley of Tears a lot. Very good. All right. My number 17. Going to get off the. This was a very war game heavy <laughs> year. Um, it's time for the dick, folks. Dutch Inner City. <laughs> Here's the deal. Look, train games, cube rails games, whatever. They're very mathematical and methodical, and you're analyzing the map. But you know what Dutch Inner City introduces? It introduces the X factor, which is my brain and your brain and Rex's brain and that guy over there's brain because it's this whole element of of bluffing and, and how committed are you to bidding up here and mathing out, well, if – if Rex bids and then and then oh I don't want to be the last one left with just a couple bucks, it's brilliant. It's a brilliant design. It doesn't overstay its welcome on the table. It's so it's a cube rail game, but the main aspect of this game is auctioning off the companies and management of your cash and being the one that gains the most in an auction round, um, but not be left while everyone else gets to have the fun. It's it's so good. I love Dutch Inner City. I will do everything in my power to play this at least once a year for the foreseeable future. So I haven't played it yet. I need to. Okay. Number 16 is dropping three spots from last year. It was 13 last year. Uh, hint for you. Uh, it's a game I've never played, but it's a game that's in your top five. Oh, is it downtown? No close red storm. Oh, Red Storm, yeah. Red Storm, the air war over central Germany. Yeah, a lot of... Or 
while you while you talk about this, I can find out how much it showed up. Yeah, another Plus. fantastic game. I love it. Um, and I actually played for the first time this year. I played a little bit of the solitaire mode, which obviously that's not as fun, but mm-hmm. it's it was actually better than I thought it would be. You basically end up with more missile targets and their possibilities, and you you know roll for dice. You you check and find out which ones are real as you start flying over them and things like that. So it was fun. Um, I would play it again solitaire. I would definitely play it again opposed because the, this is a game where you do mission planning and there's, there's plenty of live game day decisions to make, but there's a lot of work that gets done before you ever sit down across the table from your opponent. So um, great game. I would highly recommend it and you'll see it later on my list. (laughs) 2024, the year of Algerian air naval gaming. Absolutely. Maybe maybe it's finally time <laughs> I have Red Storm. Algerian Air Force Dude. versus the Finnish Navy. <laughs> Against the Hungarian Navy. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Speaking you're Speaking of Hungarians, yeah. uh, Hungary has come up yet again this time. And this is another one that surprised me. So I like, um, obviously, I like... Uh, Panzer's Last Stand, which is BCS Hungary. But the ranker tells me that I like Hungarian Rhapsody mm. even better, which is OCS. Um, I've gone back and forth with BCS and OCS quite a bit. I think BCS still has the edge for me, but OCS just does sandbox so well. Mm. And seeing all of Hungary in front of you with the Russian uh, forces coming in and trying to take uh, Debrecen and then finally uh, Budapest is just... It's it's a great great game that I every time I look at it I'm like oh yeah I should put that back on the table but I don't really have time for it right now um, it'll it'll be back and Hungarian Rhapsody is something I'll always enjoy playing very good all right number sixteen for me my only eighteen XX game on the list it's interesting to watch the evolution of my own list over the years because. Obviously, it started Euro Heavy before I even started the podcast. Although, if you listen to the first podcast, there's a lot of Euros in my top ten. And then it, it, it sways and flows. And right now, I'm riding this war game high, and I'm having a blast. Whereas last year, there was a lot of Euro and, and trend game influence. But 1832 to the south. Um, playing this in back-to-back years in person has just kind of like reinforced that 1832 does a lot of the mergers and the shenanigans. But it has great route running as well as mergers that aren't feel bad for anyone else whereas 1817 is probably somewhere just outside of my top 20 but it it can cause feel bad experience for me (laughs) and it can cause feel bad experience for other players where you're like shorting shares like that so i think you can kind of cut some of that stuff out i i have grown to enjoy that significantly whereas 1817 is probably uh number two on my list but 1832 just is more of a a fun game in the sense that it doesn't feel like i always have to be on edge to see what's what's going on i can just kind of have a a high stakes game but also enjoy it plus it's a great map uh great train roster i, I really like 1832 the south i hope it never comes on dot game selfishly so i continue to get like this once <laughs> a year a once a year experience with it and just continue it to be this great game that I, that I hold up because like, if I just played ad nauseum, it's kind of anything, right? Like you won't see feast Froden on my top 20 this year. It's probably my top 30, but I just like, I've played it so much on BGA that 
I don't know. I, I still think it's an amazing game, but it's just it's not top twenty this year because it's I'm playing it nonstop. All right, nice. Number fifteen. All right, we've already mentioned it once tonight. This was number thirty last year. It's climbing fifteen spots. Actually, we've mentioned it a couple times tonight. So we have mentioned this a couple times already. Yeah. Huh? Throughout the episode. Well, I don't see Men of Iron on the listener choice yet, so I'm going to say that one. Yeah, you got it. Nice. Men All of right. Iron. We've already talked about it. It's a ton of fun. It's awesome. It's good value, and it's a good system. It's a fantastic system. It's Men of Iron. Yeah. I don't think we have to say anything else about it. All right. Uh, for my 15, first, the, uh, first mention of Mitchell Land for tonight, I'm going to go with Silver Bayonet. Yeah. This is another yeah. one that yeah, we have reviewed it. We've talked about it haven't given it enough love i don't think because i haven't really had a chance to play it significantly against another person um something still number 11 on our list sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but it's still like it does extremely well still i know it's and it's fantastic and you know it does um it's kind of like we can talk about next war we will talk about next war later but um it feels so much like vietnam you mm-hmm. know you've got the american helicopters that basically just let you teleport everywhere you've got the uh you've got the vietnamese that you can't see and you don't know where they are and it's just it's such a great little game and i say little game compared to like vietnam 65 to 75 uh yeah but yeah i love it i'll, I'll say more on it it's actually higher than mine. I, yeah, so yeah. Bayonet's fantastic. All right, my number 15 is Stalingrad 42. Um, I don't know if this sort of a place. I've, I received North Africa 41. I haven't really played with it yet. I don't have the table space to put out both maps unless I use a kitchen table. It's just not going to happen with two kids. Not that I could set up Stalingrad 42 anywhere either. Is that four maps? It is, if okay. you do the full thing. Oh, it's, it's got an extension too, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just <laughs> Zoc. It's Zocbond at its finest with a super interesting and big map. Like it's a big old game, and it's Zocbond, and it, it has supply trains in it. It adds in some new chrome. You know, we we talked about it being this core hex encounter system that's rather light, but then you add in all this good World War II chrome to it, and it's, it's just awesome. North Africa might replace, which isn't truly Zokbon's system, but it, it shares a lot of the, it borrows from it a lot. Um, yeah, it's good. Stalingrad 42. It's Mark Simonich doing his Zokbon series at, at a big scale, and it, he nails it. Nice. All right, number 14 is a game that I've been thinking about a lot. It just got a giant, big-ass reprint of it. Huge. <sighs> combining a couple games <laughs> it's not twilight struggle is it no <laughs> no axis empire oh that's and we, right i yeah, combined us and so and uh to tyler krieg into one this is like a 250 dollars game folks yeah. but oh my gosh i want to play it so bad and so, I'm, i I will play this before the end of the year like i'm i'm trying so hard to get this table before the end of the year so even though you have not played downfall do you think Downfall will be better than Axis Empires? No. No? Okay. No. Interesting. Not at all. Even all right. because, again, like I'm having this analysis of my biggest complaint with Axis Empires is combat resolution. Yeah. The sandbox in Axis Empires is unlike anything. And the fact that they've amplified that and watching our buddy Paul 
kind of play out some of the what ifs that could happen in World War One to then shape World War Two in this kind of like simulation leading up to the war that doesn't take that long to play out. And like you can put overlays on the map and, and have different uh, country commitments in World War One that shape World War Two. It is the sandbox of sandbox without being insane overhead and Axis Empires is is super good. It's a two hundred fifty dollar game at the minimum, <laughs> folks. Sure. I mean, it's ins- it's insane what's in the box. Well, I right? mean, you could get just the European side for less, but well, no, 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 no. no. The so the new thing, one, right? the new deluxe edition, uh-huh. is That's one both. big box. It's all of it together. The hypotheticals, gotcha. Dicenzo, Total Krieg, all combined, and the new naval rules, all that stuff. Now, the great news is, if you really want to play Axis Empires, now is the time to go pick up Dicenzo or Total Krieg because everyone who bought the big box is offloading their they're small boxes on the cheap and they're still completely playable. They're still fantastic games. I highly recommend it for a world war two sandbox. If you don't want to go like balls to the wall, ham into like world in flames or something like that. This is your, this is like your world war two grand strategic. It's so good. Sure. All right. Uh, for you, sir, number 14. Oh, holy shit. Hey, I know. This is the only place where we line up. Wow. Okay. I'll, next I'll, war. Yeah, go ahead. India, Pakistan. So I'll just say this is my favorite next war. I won't have any other next wars higher. I don't know. Maybe I, I, I ran the places. I thought I it was mine, but the uh, the game <laughs> ranker tells me differently. So I'm just trusting the game ranker. Like if you said to me, what's your favorite uh, next war? I would say India, Pakistan, but... That's not what the game ranker tells me. So, interesting. Yeah, it's it's next war. We talk about next war a lot. We talk about it every year with next war con and what people are doing with that. Uh, I just love the hypothetical presented in India, Pakistan, from a topic standpoint. I love the mm-hmm. map. The map is fantastic. Yep. I love how playable this one is. The biggest hurdle sometimes with next war is I obviously want to do the advanced rules when I try to play standard. I'm just like, ho oh, hum. Uh, India Pakistan just still feels the most approachable and it feels the most like easy to digest. And yep. I don't taking out the naval rules makes it a much more playable game. Yep. All right. Oh, that's cool. We crossed over there. All right. <laughs> Number 13. Uh, this is a Zokban game. Ooh. Um, I just pasted it in. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, Is it Holland quick. 44? You got it. Moving oh, too fast. So yeah, good. Holland 44. That's my favorite Zokbon game. Nice. Yeah, talked about Zokbon. Uh, yeah. It's a World War II game with a good amount of chrome. And yeah, this is Holland version of it. Sure. Yep. Great map. Uh, up Lots 30... of roads, but never enough. <laughs> up 37 spots. Sorry, Axis Empires was also up 37 spots. Axis Empires was 51 last year. Yeah. On 44 was 50 last year, also up 37 spots. Nice. Uh, yeah, you're number 13. Yep, already talked about it. Here sure. I stand. That's it's For the rest of my life, I'm always going to play that game every single year. So. Very good. It's always going to be one of my gaming highlights of the year as well. So I'll talk about it now here. Here I stand just barely misses. And it misses because of two other games I'm going to talk about, which mm-hmm. fill the multiplayer sphere. Uh, but like here I stand is right behind them. For me, number 13 is my second highest tactical game. And I really 
13, 12, and 11, you could almost flip-flop, although one of those is not tactical. But number 13 for me is Front Toward Enemy. Rich, you've got to play this game. The more I think about this game, <laughs> the more it does right. I can't wait for Joe Shaken's GMT Modern tactical game that's coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Front Toward Enemy. You want to talk about, like, flying around helicopters? It's chip-pull activation tactical vietnam hidden units hidden hidden civilians i mean it's it's so good casualties matter front toward enemy i don't know what the deal was i want to know the story because it's always on sale in the mmp sale and i just don't know and why haven't i bought it yet since it's always on sale (laughs) oh man i i'm playing this at historic fest full stop i'm setting up a big scenario i want to make a multiplier because it it lends itself to the multiplayer Multi, multiple commands because of the chip bowl. Uh, yeah, front torn in me. So good. Nice. All righty. 12. Number 12 is a game I have never, play, never played. It is down three spots. It was nine last year. Number 12 this year. Uh, let's see. I can give you another hint other than I've never played it. You've so played it. Great game that you have never played. Uh, some people say this is the best game ever made. Wow. You've played it. I've never played it. Uh, I'm having a hard time with this one because I know you've played, obviously, ASL. You've played Pacific War. Um, is it Downtown? No. no I didn't I didn't say you think it's the best game ever made. No, I, I don't think that's people. A, yeah. Well, Vietnam, 65, oh, yeah. Okay. Obviously. Yeah. You haven't played that one at all. Still, I didn't know no, that. No, I haven't. Oh, gosh. I know. I'll have to correct that one. 2024, the year of Algerian... Well, the year of Vietnam War gaming. I have to play Front Toward Enemy, and you have to play 65 to 75. You know, I could be very easily talked (laughs) to the year of Vietnam War gaming. Yeah. Uh, Well, we're about to talk about that more, so let's move to your number 12, and we'll talk about Vietnam just a little bit. So, apparently, the Game Ranker thinks that this is my favorite Next War game, and I'm not going to argue. Next War Taiwan. Um, It's a fantastic game. I think pro- if if I were to try to figure out the reason that I might bump this one over India-Pakistan, um, the U.S.-China conflict might be more interesting to me than the India-Pakistan oh, conflict. Okay. Naval invasion is always something I'm interested in, even though it's hard to say it's not a big part of the game because that's how China gets there. But really, it's not like Taiwan is going to stop the naval invasion. <laughs> U.S. ships are late getting there. And then, I don't know. It's just, it's a great game. It's a fantastic next war game. Um, I want to play this one more, especially with this is the game that I'm most interested in playing with, like a bunch of the extra supplement rules that I haven't messed around with too mm. much. I've played with some of them, but things like cyber war and, you know, stuff like that. I would love to play with this one and really like throw every little bit of Chrome into this game and see how it, it shakes out. Nice. Yeah. I own this one. Just haven't played it. <laughs> it's good. All right, number 12 for me was higher on your list. It's Silver Bayonet, or, or earlier on your list at 15, yeah. Silver Bayonet. Uh, here's here's why it just barely slides, slides in front of Front Toward Enemy. Uh, I, like, do I want tactical? Do I want operational Vietnam? I don't know, so I have both of them. There's just so much value in the Silver Bayonet box. The fact that you have those little, like, tiny scenarios you can play, and the fact that you can play it solo, which isn't normally that big a factor for me but if i'm weighing front toward enemy and i'm weighing silver bayonet and they're mm-hmm. almost identical in terms of my appreciation they're, they're very different games 
but and how I appreciate them, they're on almost equal footing for me. The fact that I can very easily play Silver Bayonet solo, and then I have such variance in how I can play the game. I can use these little one map kind of really brief um, operational where I just kind of some of it's just learning the game, but they're fun to play. Or I can do this big old operational entire um, map. I, I don't the whole campaign game. That's what the word I'm looking for. It just barely slides in front of front toward into me. Uh, it rocks. It's nice. very good, and it's a gorgeous game too. Oh yeah, great map. All right, uh, this next game is the highest 18xx game on the listener choice. It is down nine spots at number eleven. It was number two last year. Wow, is it? 1830? You got it. 1830. Granddaddy of the classic. Yeah. Yeah. I played a lot of 1830 this year. I love 1830. It just just doesn't crack the top for me just because I like like having more levels, levers to pull. I like shenanigans. Even if if they're not as deep as 1830, I like having a button to press to see, oh, what does this do? Yeah. I don't think I've played an 1830 game this year. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, my 11, we've talked about already, but Vietnam 65 to 75. Um, I haven't even played the political stuff on this yet, just because I've never had mm. someone to play it with and the time commitment for it. But even the the lower levels, you know, just the, you know, the, the, the battle, not just the battles, but the, the medium level stuff, just fantastic. Like you could play Masher White Wing and you can play it in two maybe three hours or something like that it's an easy game to play in an evening and you can play it a thousand times it'll play differently every single time it's just it's so good and so fun to play and i think a few months ago someone asked like what is your your bucket list game full vietnam 65 to 75 Mm. is my bucket list that's that's like the game that i want to retire and find someone that'll commit to play with me and just do that very good well, I, I think you know the guy. I think he lives just down the road. And yeah. To bring it back into existence. <laughs> All right. My number 11 for me is my favorite tactical game. The more I play this, the more I, I realize how grossly we've we've underrated. The fact that it, it changes the idea of control and command on the battlefield. It, it breaks from the ASL model and makes its own model. It factors in time, it factors in casualties, it factors in what you can see and what you can react to on the battlefield. It considers distance and, and how reliable someone is at, at a, you know, 150 yards. Can they react to someone in, a, in two seconds as they dash from one building to the next? And the answer is probably no. Maybe they could get lucky. but And the designer just is the biggest... Uh, proponent of this game and it's just it's brilliant to pick his mind but even if you if you take mike denson out of the puzzle last hundred yards stands on its own even though i was lukewarm on russia when it was announced playing russia just reinvigorated so much appreciation for for the series um i'm not a big east front guy and well russia's here now so last hundred yards is just brilliant it's it is my favorite tactical game i this may even climb like this could, at the end of the day, be a, a top five game. If if I continuously, regularly play it as much as I want to, it could be. That's uh, the problem. We're talking about all these games, and like, you know, half an hour ago, Plantagenet was the only thing I wanted to play, and yeah. now I'm looking at like ten other games. Oh, I really need to play this one. I need to play this one. I'm right there with you. I'm right <laughs> there with you. Uh, Plantagenet will be in my top twenty next year, unless <laughs> unless something drastically changes. Yeah. It is. It is that good. It, um, if I had formed this list yesterday, maybe it, it sneaks in. I don't know what I cut. 
He's <laughs> like, uh, Men of Iron is so good. But anyways, number 10. We are in the top 10, folks. Rich, this is the first of one, two, GCACW? <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah, you got it. First of this series. First of the GCACW games. Any guess? Three, huh? That yeah. surprises me. Yeah, three I of the have, top ten is GCACW. I have three, but I didn't think there'd be three on this list. Well, I'll say... I don't think it's Atlanta as ours, but I'll say that. No. Um, Stonewall Jackson's Way 2. Not one we oh, talk okay. about yeah. a lot. But yeah, I know and that's people one that like I don't it. have, so that one kind of isn't on my radar as much. Very good. All right, you're number 10. It's GCACW, folks. We talk about GCACW yeah. all the time. Yeah. And this so, is, I don't actually think, I may have played one game out of Stonewall Jackson's Way 2, but I don't, I haven't really like tabled my copy of Stonewall Jackson's Way 2. Yeah. And this is what I, I'm actually surprised to see three in the top 10 because they're kind of eating each other at this point. They're all great. They all have great things about them and you can't go wrong with any of them. But like if I was going to sit down and buy 10 games, even though I have three GCACW games on my top 10, I wouldn't buy three GCACW games. Yeah, you know that's, what I mean? a, that's a fair point. And, and before you talk about number 10, my number 10 is GCCW game. It's on to Richmond, too. Yeah. And so I, which is not my only GCCW, but as, as a whole on my list, I kind of took the approach you just mentioned is I almost list, limited it to one in a series. Yeah. One fleet game. One 18xx game. One next war game. That wasn't explicit, uh, as we'll see, because I have other GCCW games coming up. But I, I, that's kind of what I wanted. Like, the perfect 20 games for me, I wouldn't duplicate. But it, I think it speaks to GCACW, the fact that I had that in the back of my mind and two still yeah. made my top ten. Um, and that's kind of what we, where we yeah. went and do things differently when we do our game draft. You know, you have nothing on your shelf. You, you're going to start a collection. What are you going to start with? Yeah, yeah. So, but my number ten, we'll talk about this more, I know, is the Republic of Rome. Yeah. So, uh, great game. We played it earlier this year. We're going to play it again in a few months. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then, you know, like as high as a hopes as, as I had had for Founding Fathers, Republic of Rome is just so much better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fantastic. Can't wait to play it again. You can talk about it more because you've got it higher on the list than I do. All right. Next up for number nine is up five spots from last year. It was 14 last year. By the way, Stonewall Jackson's game was... Stonewall Jackson's was 16, up six spots last year. Uh, this is a fantasy game. Ooh, a fantasy game. I don't know. What is it? War of the Ring. Oh, wow. We need to play this next year. This needs to I go have, on the list this next is year. An, I was... Actually, this is another one I've been looking at buying. I've never played this game. Yep, either. Yeah. Me either. Or the ring. People right. like it. I've heard it's great. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I don't own it and never played it. So uh my nine, this is another new one for me. A little surprise it was this high, but the greatest day. Um right. fantastic GTS. gaming experience this year. GTS, Normandy Invasion with the the three British beaches and as well as the Canadians. Um, but just fantastic, fantastic game. This is a game that I didn't really know much about, but once I started playing it, I realized that I had been looking for this exact game. So nice. All right, my number nine. Do I do I need the obligatory? I need to play more GTS. I'll, have, <laughs> I'll, I'll save it. My number nine is my favorite OCS. That's Korea Forgotten War. Yeah. I really struggled with is this Beyond the Rhine? Is this Korea Forgotten War? Here's the deal. I like Korea 
in every scenario that's presented in the box that I've played. Oh, yeah. Campaign, brilliant. Smaller chunks of the campaign. The fact you can break up the campaign in like 10 different segments and then you have like the little chosen stuff. I still think the chosen is one of the best OCS scenarios I've played just with the opening strategies and, <laughs> and, and analyzing that just to see how you could tackle it. You've talked about it, but OCS is still one of my just favorite uh, yeah. World War II series out there. And obviously Korea is not World War II, but it's my favorite topic. And yeah, but Beyond the Rhine is, is somewhere up here here too as well. But those yeah. two. So good. I was actually just thinking about um, getting out Beyond the Rhine because the same thing. I was talking about invasion scenarios. You know, it's December coming up. So, but that's a great invasion scenario. You don't want to play the initial Americans just getting run over. That's no fun. But if you play that one solitaire and see how far you can make it, that's good stuff. Nice. All right. Number eight. Uh, some people would say this is the best game ever made. You and I have both played it. You and I are both huge fans of it. Ah, oh, number eight. Is ASL this far down? No, it's Pacific okay. War. Oh, Pacific. I'm so, surprised Pacific War this far down. Um, 25 last year, climbing eight spots. I think the reprint helps substantially. Or no, climbing 17 spots. Yeah, sure. Uh, Pacific War. Yeah, we're going to talk about another Pacific one War. that I literally was looking at today, thinking oh, this needs to come back to the table. Yeah, I miss our. Week. Why? Why do these people at work bother me so much and don't <laughs> let me do what I want to do? How dare they? Uh, we have more Pacific War to talk about for both of us. Yeah. So, uh, eight for me was uh, the first of my three GCACW games in the top eight, which is Atlanta is ours. Probably have this one ranked a little too high, um, but the series is just so good. And you know, if it weren't for the fact that those other two were in the top ten, this game deserves to be in my top ten. So, if if George Thomas wasn't an army commander. And I could do more with him. Atlanta and ours would be higher for me. Yeah. My, my number eight is the MMFU. I th- again, this is another game I think we have criminally underrated. I need to replay it. I want to replay it. And I think you mentioned the asymmetry is just such a big component of it. And the 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 new introduction, especially the time period when DMBMFU came out, is kind of on the look. There's Lots of games have been innovative across historical gaming history, but 2014 is, gosh, that's right around the cusp of when did Andy and Abyss come out? 2012. Uh, so it's not yeah. too far after Andy and Abyss. And my point is, it's innovative, but it's not in like the. To me, in wargaming history, it's it's at the forefront of all this new stuff we have. Right. But it, it presents all these little like subsystems that are so interesting. And then it takes a topic of history that other than, I guess there's a couple like storm over DM and stuff, mm-hmm. but interesting topic, exceptionally designed game, tons of fun. DM I say criminally underrated. Well, I only have it at number <laughs> eight. We're not like that far off, but I don't know. There you go. All right, number seven. Okay, this was 11 last year. It's up four spots. Some people would say this is the best game ever made. Um, Yeah. Oh, the U.S. Civil War. No, no, no. That was 11 last year, wasn't it? Oh, this is... ASL. You got it with ASL. 
Yeah, I just ASL's fallen off just because the last hundred yards for me. Uh, ASL really? is probably it's in my top thirty. ASL is just outside looking in for me, and I know you're going to talk about it some more. But ASL uh, Tactical World War II, it's the granddaddy of them all. It's got a rule for everything. I love ASL. Do not get me wrong. Um, but in just kind of crafting my top twenty, I just I just don't think I had room for it with yeah. the other tacticals I picked. I'll talk about it later. All right, your number seven, seven for me is Twilight Imperium which is just my absolute favorite game to play on a Saturday with like five other guys. And actually you can play with even more now with the expansion and everything. I've, I've only ever played with up to six. I've never even played a 14 point game. That's another thing. It's hard enough to get people to commit to commit to the 10 point game, but it's just so fun. I mean, it's, it's asymmetrical. The factions are all different. You get different objectives every time, but it's one of those games that's just so much fun. It's not even about who wins or loses. It's just, just a great game to play. My number seven, Rhodes to Gettysburg, more GCCW. I just yep. think it's the best of the best. It's got an team it's got Gettysburg. I just like I like the map composition. And again, GCCW was the system where I said it didn't really matter. It did well across the board. Um, yeah, Rhodes to Gettysburg. Tons of bang for its buck. It's GCCW. It's good. If you haven't played it yet, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, I, I don't think any of our listeners have not played any GCCW games. All right, number six was not ranked last year. I don't know if you saw me flash it on the screen. It was not ranked at all. Okay, do I get a clue? That's it. It was not ranked at all last year. Oh, so it's probably new then. Yeah, new-ish. Uh, new-ish. <laughs> on to Richmond 2? It is on to Richmond 2. Okay. Crossover <laughs> yeah. with you, buddy. There we go. Yeah, that's my six as well, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've mentioned GCACW, and we both like it a lot, so we're, we're not done talking about it yet either. So. No, we're not in a couple a couple respects. I'll mention my Pacific War love right here. Um, I, I know it's going to be higher for you. Um, I miss it. I miss Pacific War dearly. I wish my Wednesday nights were still open. Our, our Wednesday night game group with, with Paul, Carl, and Rex was a blast, and I was soloing the U.S. side because poor, yeah. poor Paul could never make it. He almost took out the Panama Canal. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> One die roll. It's so funny. Um, it's so good. I, I do think the game thrives in the operational scale. The strategic scale is a hell of an undertaking, but what an undertaking it is. Yeah. And the every little chart you're consulting in that game every management of information and, and like rolling detection and managing a fleet over here there's so much detail in that game i am a sucker for it it's still yep. uh a, a year on i think we talked about this last year around trying this time to get the best bang for the buck spending your operation points and yes how long you want your operation to last so much good stuff all right number five um is a game we've talked about tonight. It's a Mark Herman game. Down five, down two spots was number three last year. Uh, we've already talked about Pacific War. Why am I drawing a blank on Mark Herman? <laughs> oh, it's Ribbit. Yeah, it's Ribbit. <laughs> no, what is it? Empire of the Sun. Oh yeah, obviously yes, we talked about it. Strategic okay. Pacific War. Uh, interesting. So interesting that that was above Pacific War though. Uh, yeah, I think you know. I mean, it's lighter, easier to yeah. get into. You yeah. nailed it. You nailed it. We sure. skew heavy, but yeah, you nailed it. Okay. My number five, we are finally going to stop talking about GCACW. Roads to Gettysburg 2. Like you said, it's the best of the best. I got it at five. 
Uh, if we haven't talked to you about GCACW yet, then I guess we'll have to start a new podcast focusing just on that series. <laughs> Jason will join us. <laughs> there you go. We'll get a lot of people. I mean, there's tons yeah. <laughs> of fans out there. Everyone loves GCACW. All right, my number five is not a war game. And I played this. I'm so glad I played this a couple months ago because, again, it was just kind of like reaffirmation of why I love Fields of Arl so much. It's my favorite Uwe Rosenberg game. So this is a worker placement game where you you have a summer track and you have a winter track, and you can obviously only take summer actions in the summer and winter actions winter. But my favorite thing in Fields of Arl is just seeing the finished product. You develop this whole, like, farm area, and maybe you build a church, and you have some crops planted over here. But just the progression through the game. Um, actions are tight. It's not as unforgiving as Agricola or Lahav, but it it still feels restrictive in, in, in what you can do and where you should go. It's two-player only unless you play the expansion. Uh, it's Fields of Arl. Huh, I interesting. I didn't know that was two-player only. That actually makes me more likely to pick it up because I like... Um, There's the three-player expansion, yeah. but the base game is two-player only. Yeah, my... Uh, obviously, it didn't make my top 20, but my top non-war game or euro or whatever you want to call it would have been um feast of odin which mm. i love but that's not great at two players so. yeah yeah fields of arl is great at two yeah cool <laughs> nice all right number four for the listeners is up one spot it was number five last year and it did better than i thought uh, much to my enjoyment and and happiness and pride, the U.S. Civil War. It's the U.S. Civil War. We're going to talk about it some more. Wow, this yeah, is I've heard, of, I've heard four. of that game before. Well, I might be a fan of it. All right, you're number four. Red Storm. Nice. We've talked about this before. It was on the user list. It is a fantastic operational air game in a, a hypothetical war between the the Blues and the Reds in Central Europe in the '80s, and it's just great. Very good. My number four is None But Heroes. And one, this this podcast was formed on the idea of playing None But Heroes. Um, knowing that the line of battle rules rework are somewhere in the process, of course, uh, I hope I hope Dean Essig is, is doing well. Of course, if you haven't heard, uh, Dean had a stroke, but I that was all news that, that was put out there, and I, I think Dean, Dean was doing well. Um, but that being said, so of course all our uh, our thoughts with Dean is in his family right now. But that being said, line of battle, it's not a perfect system, but playing Antietam is what I want in a war game. It does everything I want at that scale. It lets me sit down and play through what is one of my favorite battles to read about and and game. And it's an insane amount of, I shouldn't say insane amount of detail because it's really not that much detail and it's actually not that complex a game, but just the counter density and, and the whole battlefield spread out is so impressive to me. And once you get past the kind of like command writing segment, which is the most confusing part of that game and, and, and it just delivers so well. I am really missing line of battle. I I want to table that in some form, whether it's Gettysburg, Hood Strikes North, whatever it looks like. Hopefully it's none but heroes. At some point this needs to get back on my table. Just the whole like fire resolution is so so good. Where like timing matters in great battles of the American Revolution, 
it matters so much more than just like positioning stuff with, with line and battle. Uh, so good. Number number here is number four. Nice. Big, big fan. All right. Top three. Top three. Here we go. The okay. This one. Metal winner. This was number eight last year, kind of. <laughs> um, and that's because we merged these entries this year. Oh, okay. Uh, what did we merge this year that we didn't merge last year? Well, it's not GCACW because we've talked that one to death. Um, is it an OCS game? Case Blue. I don't know. Wait a second. Hold on. I got to check something. <laughs> uh, it's up five spots. It was not number five. It's uh, no. It's Combat Commander. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So about getting a little bit of boost. Combat Commander Europe yeah. was number eight last year. Comic Commander getting three. Yeah. Uh, I actually read through the rules. Mitch and I had like flirted with the idea of playing some, but then it fell through the cracks. But just using the rules, like, ah, I really need to play some Comic Commander. Yeah. Not a game you and I talk a lot about, but it's got a huge following. So. And I played it for the first time this year, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. So. Very good. Uh, you're uh, number two, three, sir. Yeah. If there's a game that's even better than Red Storm, it's downtown. <laughs> I mean, it's the original. It's It's got the Dragon's Jaw Bridge. It's got Sam City. It's got all the cool planes from the 60s. It's got everything you could possibly want. Uh, it's fantastic. So if you don't know, Downtown is actually the original game before Red Storm. Downtown is about, is it's the same thing, except it's in North Vietnam over uh, uh, Saigon. Or, yeah, not Saigon. Um, uh, what's the capital of North Vietnam and why am I forgetting it? Anyway, that's where you're bombing. It's, it's not Hanoi, is it? Hanoi, yeah, there oh, you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so fantastic game. Um, it's, I don't know, it's neck and neck with Red Storm, but if I had to pick one of the two, I'd take Downtown over Red Storm. Nice. All right, my number three, and this this is one of the reasons why Here I Stand has fallen off my list, and that is John Company, uh, second edition. Uh, I think group play matters here with a lot of things with with this many players. Yeah, it really does. Um. But John Company is just so much fun. Um, just how you position yourself and how you can either invest yourself in the company or not and just the, the negotiation. Um, I might have overstated this when I first submitted my list. Number three is pretty high, but it's still really good and it's just a ton of fun. None of my plays have been bad or unenjoyable. And I've had plays where I don't have a huge amount of involvement each play. Um, but I like it. I like it a lot. It is a negotiation game with a lot of kind of quality of life improvements over so- something like the older, like something like Republic of Rome or something like that. Uh, and it's got a great theme. There are some things I don't like, like just like the random events that happen in India. That's always a little confusing <laughs> and never very satisfying. Yeah. But just everything else is good. If I have an ideal group, this is this is nearly, you know, it's 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 definitely a top five game. Obviously, it's number three, but uh, like a bad group can can kind of sour it just just a little bit, in my opinion. But yeah, John Company is, is damn good. And that's my number three. Yeah. Great game. All right, number two. Silver medal. Silver medal. I was like, wait, I don't know that game, Rich. <laughs> uh, do you have a guess? Just cold. It's up four spots from number six last year. Man, I'm trying to think. 
seems like we've done all of the best games. We've done ASL. We've done Civil War. There's one very popular game we haven't mentioned at all on either of our lists. Uh, it's not on either of our lists. Interesting. Yeah, but it's extremely popular. Monopoly. For... No, 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 no. Twilight no. Struggle. Yeah, it's Twilight Struggle, number two. Is it really? It is. That's surprising. I'm kind of surprised, too. Yeah. Yeah, did did extremely well this year. Uh, up four spots, number two. That's eh, Twilight Struggle. Yep. Uh, Card-driven game covering the Cold War. Not my cup of tea. I acknowledge it. It's a great design. It's just too much a little bit of whack-a-mole for me, but it's still good. I like yeah. the uh, I like the Red Sea just because it focuses the whack-a-mole. But, mm-hmm. All right, number two for you, sir. Two for me is Pacific War, which we have talked about. I mean, end of last year, this, you know, was all I could, well, I think it was middle of last year. I played this game for several months in a row and thought I was going to play it more this year. Just, I thought a lot of things were going to be different this year, but they weren't. Um, but it's still sitting there and it's still a fantastic game and it will make it back to my table. Only one game could possibly be better than Pacific War. And we'll talk about that in a minute. That's Republic of Rome, folks. My number two. <laughs> uh, no, Re- Republic of Rome is my number two. Whereas, whereas John Company maybe introduces some quality of life, eases the play of Republic of Rome, and and John Company borrows from Republic of Rome substantially. Uh, Republic of Rome, again, I think could suffer with a bad group. I will never forget our play. I will also firing it up on Vassal and playing through it. I had so much enjoyment, almost as much enjoyment. I know our play died, <laughs> but just getting back, I was like, yes, this game is amazing. Um, it's incredibly good. I will be, <laughs> I will be nervous. I would be nervous if I was the US of war, knowing that I was replaying the Republic of Rome come February. Uh, we'll see it at six player counts, but if you don't know, it's a negotiation game where you're playing groups of senators during the Republic of Rome and you're negotiating every position and every action and you're just trying to stay afloat as Rome and it is hard and it is brutal and negotiation is everything in that game. Mm-hmm. And it's got random bad events that can really screw you over, but it's still brilliant. And it's you gotta fight like three wars at the same time. And then so you- good. Only way you can win the wars is to give one guy way too much power and hope that he gives it back. <laughs> All right. Number one. So I'm looking at the list. The only thing I see that's missing is Rhodes to Gettysburg. Ranked number one last year. Ranked number one this year. You've already guessed it. Rhodes to Gettysburg 2. Yeah. I mean, uh, yep. well worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think it's... I think... So let's see. I had Gettysburg just over Richmond. You had Gettysburg. Did you also have that as your top GCACW? Yeah, yeah just over Richmond yeah. as well, which was most... Uh, there was a few people yeah. that had on to Richmond number one or, or higher than Rhodes to Gettysburg, but generally yeah. Rhodes to Gettysburg was slipping in the front. Consensus is that's the best of the best. Yep, yep. Um, Nobody's going to argue with it. Almost 30 points on Twilight Struggle, by the way, Yeah, in front of Twilight Struggle. So we use ranked choice voting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, and, a, a good lead on Twilight Struggle. And you know what Matt and I picked already. I picked ASL. <laughs> yeah, I picked U.S. Civil War. We, we don't need to talk about those. They're, I mean, ASL is tactical World War II, U.S. Civil War, strategic U.S. Civil War, and they're awesome games in their own right. I'm, I'm just glad U.S. Civil War remained in the top five. I really thought this would be the year that uh, the listeners would abandon me, but a lot of them came through, and it's it's still showing up in a lot of lists. 
I loved it. Love to see that. Have you played with the new naval rules yet? No, I haven't, haven't played. Yeah, said no. I haven't either. I started a game online a couple months ago, and I've flaked out because I got too much going on. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying out the new naval rules. That's something I've been waiting for. So. All right, we are running long, so I, I did. I have a couple other things, and I'll just mention them extremely quickly, just because of how long the episodes are running. There will be about a week. In about a week, I'll post the full results, so you can go see this stuff, see the charts, um, see the full twenty-two list, see the alphabetical list, see your list, see the rankings, the year-by-year -year analysis. All that stuff will be available on our Discord. Um, we talked about the series already. The focus one was Second Fleet, Shotgun Blast with things like OCS. Um, and then GCCW didn't matter, just did well. Uh, PAX games fell significantly, just Euros as a whole. We just had more more war gamers, I think, voting. A lot of our Euro game voters didn't vote this year. Either they don't listen anymore or whatever. I mean, people get busy. But PAX games suffered substantially. They all fell out. Where you had PAX, a lot of people voted for PAX Premier and PAX Porphyriana, but not enough to put them in the top 20. Um, train games, cube rail games, and Euros as well. Uh, Age of Steam fell out. Um, I think 1817 was the next highest at 29. Speaking of PAX Ren games, if we're talking about the first five out, Labyrinth was number 21, tied with the Republic of Rome at 22. DMBM Food just missed the top 20 at number 23. Next up was 24, Sekigahara. I won't be surprised if that corrects the top 20. And then PAX Renaissance was number 25 would be our next Interesting. PAX game. Yeah, I'd... PAX Premier fell 38 spots. Oh, wow. Uh, it was four last year down to 42. Oh, that's actually year. part of the reason that surprises me is because it's got a good online way to play too. So yeah. you can play it on Rally the Troops. And I heard someone saying the implementation one is good, but it's on Board Game Arena now too. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh Seki Gahara was in the top twenty last year. It was seven last year, falling seventeen spots down to twenty-four. Uh Silver Bay Net, this game was up twenty-five spots. That's at number thirty-five. I'm just looking around. Second fleet, like I said, was laser focused. That was at thirty-seven. Um, coming up fifteen spots from fifty-two. Atlanta's ours. Um was in the top forty. Advanced to Brooks system was carried by Mitch and like a couple other people and <laughs> rounds out number 40. How that happened, I have no idea. It was 99 last year. It's up 40. Commands and Colors Ancients fell significantly. Uh, yeah, can't stop. Got to okay. mention that. Um, it's actually a fun game. I played it. You just can't stop, can you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah can't stop comes in at... Number 250, up 72 spots. <laughs> what was the last game on the list? The la Well, so it's kind of like there's some that will... A bunch get one, yeah. Yeah, get one at 20. Let's see, last on the list that wasn't just someone's number 20 was West Riding. I've never even heard it. Uh, it's a cube rail game. Okay. And then, like, my... <laughs> My poor like cat submitted some lists, and like she had no crossover. So there's a couple users. This is uh, I thought this was a little bit interesting. So Wu Young matched nine of his games. Nine of his top twenty lists matched our top twenty. 
I think that was the most. And there was a couple people that were zeros, including my wife. <laughs> uh, she matched zero with the top 20. Matt Allen z- dropped zero with the top 20. Logopolis, who ranked Can't Stop, matched zero with the top 20. Uh, everyone else shared at least one game in common with the top 20. Uh, we had... How many total responses? Let's see. I, I have to switch over to a different oh. window real quick. More than... A couple more than last year is what it came into. Uh, 45. 45 this year. Okay. No, 46, because uh, Kat didn't use the form. She sent it to me separately. So 46 if you include my wife. Oh, Which clear. we do, because she submitted a list. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, so if you want to see the results and talk about those, we'll post those on the Discord. I'd like to dive in more. It's just we're running uh, so late. I've lost my show notes. Flip over here. Uh, anything like su- surprising or shocking to you, Rich, before we wrap up? Um. Yeah, I'm surprised that we didn't get more non-war games. I'm surprised it yeah. is skewed as heavy as it was toward war games. I thought we'd get, like I said at the beginning, I thought we'd it would be lighter than EWE, and it's, I mean, it's a different order, but it looks more like the EWE list, with yeah. a few exceptions. I had started a tab uh, called Just War, where I was going to be like, all right, well, like, what if I cut out all the non-war game stuff? Yeah. And then, like, I realized, like, I don't really need this. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> mostly, and there's a couple things, right? Like, 1830, no surprise there. People love that. But, yeah, much more war heavy this year. Yeah. I don't know if I had any crazy reactions. Like, nothing felt too far off base. The PAX games falling out did uh, a little bit, but I think a lot of people who voted for PAX stuff just, just took it out. It wasn't so much that the PAX people weren't there, but just got replaced by, by other stuff. Yeah, it's, it's I'm I'm good with this. I don't think I'm necessarily surprised that Roads to Gettysburg two repeated. So I guess that's all I have to say there is I'm not yeah. surprised. <laughs> guess I'm a little surprised he's Twilight Struggle at two. So was I. Yeah, that was a little. But there you go. Yeah, this is a good solid list. I mean, if it I'd... is GMT's all time bestseller. So if if someone's like, hey, here's your top twenty. Or, like, here's the 20 games you could own, but it can't be your top 20 <laughs> list. Like, I wouldn't hate the the top 20. Oh. Public of Rome's not on there, but that's that's fine. You play Rex's. Yeah, exactly. That's what I say about a lot of games. Like, oh, does Rex have it? <laughs> so, right. what do we got next month? All right, next month we have our end of the year episode. We have our re-ranking of the every war game ever list and that's it that's gonna be plenty and what have we been playing and all that stuff our 2023 awards we'll do in january right no we'll do those in december oh we do the do this next month yeah and then yeah yes so we will do our new to us for 2023 in the last week of december again as a reminder if you're new to the series we don't do 20 for history on the table it's not limited to 2023 games. For the Historical Board Game Awards, it is, which is distinct. We just host it here on History on the Table. For Rich and I, it's just new to us. One of my games is so old that, I don't know, put in a Jeff Foxworthy joke or something. I don't know. But one of my games is so old, I, and I have, not, I have not talked about it on the podcast at all, but I'm telling you, it's going to be my number two. I'm convinced little teaser uh yeah no history off the table stuff or other shenanigans um 
just because we're two and a half hours into this. this is a very long episode and that's all good uh but patrons patreon.com slash history table there will be a new poll rich and i will talk about what we want for january uh that might come out like pretty early i'm kind of thinking just to get like some extra bonus winter gaming time in maybe rich i don't know it uh, maybe it'll be plantagenet we're all hoping it'll be plantagenet we'll see so we'll get that out if you want to if you want to vote in that go to patreon.com slash history table you can join our discord there's a link down in the show notes uh, I'm on Twitter and Blue Sky. Rich hangs out in Discord. I do. Uh, hey, if you like RPG stuff, go check out Black Lodge Trivia Nights. Am I forgetting anything, Rich? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Folks, enjoy your December. Yeah, happy holidays. Thanks for everyone who took the time to submit your top 20 list and go through that exercise. It's a really fun process for me to go through and clean up everyone's results and like get every look at the data and watch how it changes over time. Like just watching ATS peak and then slowly fall down. I mean, technically, Mitch got his list in before me, so there was a, a brief time period where ATS was number one uh, <laughs> overall. But it uh, it then it then fell. So thank you. I, I legitimately mean that. Just taking the time to go and fill out the survey appreciate that by the way there's the every series ever survey still out there we'll do that sometime early next year if you want go take the time fill out the survey for your favorite war game series of all time uh it's a different survey than what we just did we're using a whole different process and uh i've got some ideas we can do with that data for 2024 so happy holidays if we don't talk to you before the holidays are over and yeah that's gonna do it for us Good night, everyone. Good night.